Hey, everybody, this is Larry the Cable Guy. Check this out. So I'm in my truck driving with my buddy, and we was heading up to the men's warehouse to fart in the suits, and he's listening to his phone. And I said, that sounds like Hermes Sadler. He said, it is Hermes Sadler. He's got a podcast called Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. I said, Sadler and the Senator? He said, yeah, that's his good buddy, Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley. I said, well, what in the world? He didn't know this. I said, did you know? that Hermie Sadler was voted one of the 50 best-looking drivers in NASCAR? He said, I did not know that. I said, because it ain't true. <laughs> you never know, though. He never takes off his helmet. But I know one thing. This show, Leaning Right, Turning Left, is good. So pull up a chair right there by your phone, get yourself a cold beer, and give a listen right here to this week's episode of Leaning Right, Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. I'll tell you what, I bet Michael Waltrip's even listening. He's always wanted to do something like that. Oh, Sadler, got another one over on Waltrip. Get her done! I'm Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley, and I'm leaning right. Former NASCAR driver and Fox Sports analyst, Hermie Sadler. And I'm turning upside down. <laughs> you leaning right you. and turning left with Sadler and the Senator. Another edition. Yes, and we took a week off because it's been a busy week. But, you know, while we're gone, the last episode, if I do remember uh, correctly, Hermie, we did not have our plus one. We did not have our guest, did we? We did not. We didn't have our guy. He had business to tend to. Uh, and what did that business entail? I mean, I thought he was trying not to come here because he thought there might be a weigh scale and he wasn't ready for the final weigh-in. What do you uh, think? I, I think I'm not ready for the final weigh-in <laughs> either. I, I'm too. all for delaying that as much as possible. But did you get a phone call this morning about our plus one? I did. I did get a phone call again, and I'm a little concerned. I was concerned until something happened, but this is, what, this is again the phone call I got. You have an incoming call from Shep Moss, an inmate at the Mecklenburg County Correctional Facility. To accept this call, please press one. Should we press one? Press one. Press one for our plus one. Ladies and gentlemen, back on the show after a small hiatus is Shep Moss. Hi, Shep Moss. Hello, gentlemen. How y'all today? Shep Moss, happy, the happiest councilman in the South Hill Town Council. How are you? Buddy? I'm extremely happy. Well, welcome back, man. We I missed am you. very happy. We missed you a whole bunch. Yeah. So uh, how's, your, how's your day's been? Day's been great. I mean, last time we had you on, you seemed like a pretty happy town councilman. I would say he uh, was... I was peacocking a little Confidently bit. Confidently strutting around like a peacock. Peacocking. And, and now look, uh, for my editor, uh, Wesley Burleson, he has to, I have to pay him for every bleep of a bad word. Wow. You cost me like 50 bucks in the last episode that you were on because you were so happy. You were throwing F-bombs and, and other bad words out uh, like your mama wouldn't be listening well, to the show. Well, put it on my f***ing tab, man. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fit. That's ten bucks. <laughs> that one might be twenty five bucks. <laughs> Just right there. That. Well, welcome, Chef Moss, and Thank uh, you. and you look good. Thank you. I've you, lost a little weight. Have you lost a little weight? Where'd it go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Well, so ladies and gentlemen, just to remind you here at uh, leaning right and turning left with Sadler and the Senator, we still have the weight loss challenge where we donate. The winnings to our favorite charity, the person that lost the, the most weight. I won the first time being the only net loser of weight during the holiday season. When we got back and started the 2023 Leading Right and Turning Left podcast, the other boys gained a little weight. And so that benefited Homeward Trails, uh, the the Humane Society type uh, 
rescue animal league that saved so many of those beagles from Invigo that I was involved in. And now we have continued this weight loss challenge, which is supposed to be back at reconvene. Uh, we're going to have um, Senator Bill Carrico, who's the head of the Virginia uh, State Police Association. He takes that job very seriously. He does. He was asking me, should he be here? Did he think there was going to be a way in? Because he had to go back home. And I said, no, it's okay. You is can, that the same legal pay? You can come. No, it's We not. have it documented. It is. It's back at the office. That's your favorite it's, word, ain't it? Documents. <laughs> <laughs> documents. When you look up documents in the Webster Dictionary, you're going to see a picture of me. We already do. And actually, it's a picture of you with the documents on fire behind you. Yeah. I appreciate uh, Mr. Carrico being willing to spend his time to make sure this process is Listen to these words that you don't hear very much. Transparent and fair <laughs> and fair. No kidding. Yeah. I'm just glad that he's had to delay it because we can't do the uh, final weigh-in if he's not here. So No, he's he's he is the officiant. That's probably going to play into Hermes' uh, hand a little bit better than But I. we are using Hermes' scale, the same scale that we weighed in on, mm-hmm. not the scale That's that you have at my home. Problem. I haven't had a scale at home in six months because it's at – Bill's law office. Do you have a mirror? (laughs) Well, Shep Mouse has a scale that that is a magic scale that says he's losing weight. Ask Angie to weigh you. She can tell you. Now, now let me me ask you this, Shep. Shep said, man, I've lost 14 pounds when we were on the phone. No, no, no. 13. Be accurate. Maybe 11 after today's McDonald's meal that you had coming in here when I offered you good, healthy soup. Yeah, chicken noodle. I mean, just chicken Chicken and vegetable. No, chicken and vegetables. And, And then... Then I said, well, Shep, how how you, you know, how you weighing yourself? And he said, I'm naked. And I said, I don't believe that we're going to allow that to occur. I can actually look down and see the numbers now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. Well, I will say. You don't have scales with the numbers right in front of you? No. Like the doctor's office? I don't have to use a mirror anymore. (laughs) How about the grain scales? What are you doing? Yeah, they load them onto like one of those scales they weigh beef. Well, I will say, I did eat McDonald's today. What'd you have? I ordered a uh, single cheeseburger with bacon okay. and got a chicken sandwich with pickle. She must be listening to the podcast. The person that, <laughs> that gave you the sandwich is trying to help She may be a, a fan of our former town manager. I'm not sure. Okay, well, you know. But so- I ate it. I just, you know, I had to get over here. But that was the first time I've had fast food like that. Maybe the third time, to be honest, in like six weeks. <laughs> And but not really, more than the seventh time. It really didn't taste good. No, oh, really? I've really been watching. Did you spit it out on the on the? Uh, no, on, I ate because it pavement. was even without a chicken broth. But <laughs> I will say, you know, being away from it a while, the my taste really has changed. It was not that good. It really wasn't. What what the hell does that mean? I, my know, taste has changed. Like your taste well, buds or yes. what yeah, you believe you buds. should be eating or no, what you I find to be taste buds. I've been drinking a lot of water, although I'm drinking Coke right now. <laughs> <laughs> and i tell you what I've been putting in my water other than vodka. I'm off drugs, this, even though I just did a line of cocaine. These little, uh, <laughs> what the hell? Have you seen the Mio? It's called Mio. comes no. in a little bottle, different flavors. You just put a drop or two in your water and it gives you flavor and it's sh- you can get it sugar-free. The sugar intake is what I've really had to watch. The real reason why he's apparently having success with his weight loss is he's been staying away from us because, you know, last Monday night in Franklin, Virginia, I had a uh, a campaign event. You did. That you drove all the way from 
here at Richmond all yeah. the way to Franklin and, and back. back. I drove from my house to Richmond three hours and then drove an hour and a half down for your event so I could speak yeah. on your behalf and introduce you yeah. and then an hour and a half back. So Amen. I spent six hours on the road for my good friend, Hermie Sadler. And you know where I could not find Shep Miles? At the event. And not only that, he missed the biggest campaign event since the start of my campaign, but he's also opted out of our next uh, dinner and you know that's killing me. That's tomorrow. What your uh, oh, what your yeah. monthly dinner? Yeah, he's opted out of that. Where's that? Oh, it's going to be at Bookbind. Oh my! And you're not coming to that. Look, I'm I'm going to Myrtle Beach. As soon as we finish here, I'm getting in the car. I'm driving to Myrtle Beach. Well, what if we tie you down and then make you go to dinner? The I next can't night? do it tonight. Okay, I can't, so, I can't. But explain yourself. Why the hell weren't you at, at Hermes? I mean, event. And by the way, there was now like I want to hear this. Three hundred people there. It was packed with energetic people who were really getting behind you, Hermes, in your campaign for I state senate. I watched the live 17th video. Testament. I did do that when I got home, and I, I I joined my wife in bed watching your video. How about that? So mm, she was got, engaged. That's, yeah. that's not mm, even. Yeah, kind of creepy. Yeah, well, she was watching your. So video. you, Hermes, and your wife were in your bed. Yeah. And 300 people. And 300 people. Nice. Uh, your intro did not make the video. That's a hell of a turn on, I bet. I mean, that just probably, you had to cut that thing off after five minutes. Your intro didn't make the video. Or you fell asleep a minute. Yeah. They turned it on after I intro. It must not have been too good. <laughs> no, I'm glad with it. That I, was great. I, oh, it was? I don't know. I heard I, you say something about three minutes. Yeah. He, did he, he go He long? told me three minutes and, you know, I can't do three. Three minutes to me is like 15. Oh, at yeah. least. But I, I didn't do 15. I had a plan because we were supposed to start that at 745. We started at 730. Just to give a few extra minutes. Yeah. But I was yes, I was Steve. riling up the crowd. I mean, I was getting them all riled up. We had a up. good crowd. Uh, Senator Stanley um, gave a, a nice uh, motivational welcoming speech. And then I talked for a few minutes. And then we had Kyle Petty get up and entertain. And actually, Kyle got up and said a few kind words, which I was not expecting. Yeah. He did not tell me, which was which was great. And then Jason Michael Carroll, and then we had music. We had Don Cox. How about Don a, Cox? Yeah, he did great. Yeah, we had a we had a good time. Yeah, it was a really great party. I mean, I was going to do the intro and then leave because I had to come back and prepare for an attempted capital murder of a police officer. And you didn't truck. leave, and I didn't leave until nine nine fifteen because it was so much fun and it meant so much to Hermie that his friends were there, been there. But I did text. But you, you were in bed, which means you could have been there. I did text you how it was going, and I texted Hermie a heartfelt text later that night that so I'm tell sorry us, I missed it. Tell us what you were doing <laughs> Monday night. Why you, who the hell puts a heartfelt text out there? What? Dearest Hermie. Tell us what you were doing Monday night. It is Monday with much regret that I that must have chosen important than being my own political event. self-interest over your political campaign. I want him to tell us what he was doing Monday night. <laughs> yeah. Monday night was my monthly town council meeting. I had to be there. I also have constituents that I have to represent. And Monday night, I was fulfilling my civic duty by being there. I didn't phone it in. I showed up. How'd I didn't go? send them a text. I didn't vote by proxy. I, I showed up and, and voted. I mean, hell, whatever happened at that meeting made it into the paper, like the Daily Progress. Yes. So what happened? Well, uh, our town manager resigned. What? Yes, he resigned. You mean the one that you've been having the dispute with for two and a half years? Uh, disagreement. Probably a little bit better. Is that than a dispute. synonym of dispute? A little bit. Okay. <laughs> and so, well, not quite as sharp. Why would he resign? I mean, well, he um, suffered an injury <laughs> back during the holidays. Uh, were you liable or had anything to do with that? Uh, no, I was not there. Now, remember, no, about Christmas time, you asked me for one of those spring traps uh, that I use for hunting sometimes. Well, not really uh, for a Christmas tree. 
And, um, how, how did he get hurt? <laughs> <laughs> I think during the windstorm, our town uh, square Christmas tree blew over. He uh, was trying huh. to help staff stand it back up and uh, huh. suffered a shoulder injury. Hmm. Interesting. So he has since resigned and he will be. Or retired. Uh, he resigned. Resigned. And he'll be using his uh, workman's comp and PTO through June 30th. Okay. So you've now swept into office in the town council. And you're making changes, right? Fast. Fast changes. And it took me two and a half years to finally win a motion. And what was that motion? We uh, motioned to appoint by Virginia Code our town mayor as acting town manager. Well, that was a question you'd ask me on a legal basis. Yeah. So you and made it, that motion and it carried? It passed 5 2 2. Oh, okay. So I finally won a motion. And that was effective immediately. So he started immediately. Not two weeks from now, not tomorrow, immediately. And I had that documented. <laughs> what was that? In the minutes. Documents. Documents. All right. And those documents are not on fire. If you know and you listen fire. to this podcast, Shep Moss came onto the political scene because he found a big scandal brewing in South Hill and they were out burning documents. Yes. In a burn pile. Yes. At the trash dump. Wastewater treatment plant. At the wastewater where you yeah. don't dump garbage. You do not dump garbage and or you burn rubbish or debris. Like Geraldo Rivera, you went out there and I you did. discovered I did. this travesty. And that started this whole ball rolling, didn't it? Uh, a lot of it. Okay. Yes. And you were in the minority for a long time. So now you, you, you probably have the votes on town council. Elections have consequences. And so now? In the past two uh, election cycles, four seats have been, five seats actually have been flipped. One of the five does not typically align with my point of views, but now it is a full four split. Hmm. Typically. So you were the grand poobah of South Hill now? No, sir. No? No, sir. That would be the mayor. Okay. And the mayor is whom? Dean Marion. Okay. He is our beloved mayor. Excellent. And so you're in a good mood because you're moving forward in I'm in an extremely good mood. Oh. I think uh, South Hill's brightest days lie just ahead of us. That sounds familiar. Yes. <laughs> well, congratulations, Shep Moss. And, and I don't think that's a valid excuse to miss the Hermie Sadler fundraiser. I don't know about you, Herm. I mean, you're willing to give him I'm a I'm writing pass? all this down because one year, two years from now, we need to go back and look and see. Where things stand. Oh, you're going to pull the yeah. tape measure out on me. Pull the tape measure out on me. <laughs> Is this what you call a dick-waving contest? Yeah. Okay. Well, congratulations. You were missed, and that was an incredible event. And let me tell you something, Hermie. Um, Kyle Petty can sing and play a guitar. He's great. And he was so much fun and, and a, a great, great mood. Friend. He was in a great mood. He told some hilarious stories. <laughs> that the, room was packed. In the uh, green room. I mean, really, it was absolutely packed. It, it was. had people that didn't have seats. And yeah. I know you were very, very humbled and I proud. I was proud for you. That, I mean, great. what... Who else can pull off that? We know. Well, I can. You hit 12 people. No, if I'm Your invited to go speak one. at some place and I take credit for the crowd. Yeah. No. So, you know, when I, when I had the, when, when we had the campaign kickoff back in November at Show, we had a good crowd. I was there for that. And people will say, because I heard somebody perhaps uh, in my opponent's camp made a comment to one of the people on my team, somewhere along the line with, I mean, that was in his hometown. Right. So I moved this next event over to Franklin, which to the is backyard. kind of in the middle city of, of the Franklin, district. Not the county of Franklin. The city of Franklin, kind of in the middle of the district. And 
We actually had more at this event than we had at the launch event at FOSHO. Yeah, no, that that was clear. And it was fun. Everybody was having a good time. Everybody was fired up. And that's what you need to do. You know, you're, you're beginning a political season in March. Yes. When most people are still from the hangover of the November election the year before. So the real March madness. So you really actually get... Uh, you get them all fired up and, uh, and they walked out of there very fired up. The other thing I noticed is even when I left at nine ish, nobody had left. Everybody was staying there to the, to the very end. And, and that's also the retention rate of your crowd yes. is usually a clear indicator of how much energy people have for your campaign. So, so while we're doing that and you and I, you know, we write down right before we go on, we don't plan this thing out because it's better when we just start talking, yep. the three of us. You know, or when Shep's not here because he's avoiding being weighed. Can I say one more thing? Sure. Uh, and thanks to everybody that came and all the sponsors and the individuals and the people that showed up. We raised uh, $48,000. No way. That's amazing. That's awesome. And they were drinking bourbon, too. Angie said it had to be a world record for bourbon drank on a Monday night. Because <laughs> she ran out of bourbon like at 730. Uh, yeah, and right. we had to buy bourbon from the uh, from the people next door at the restaurant. Hey, I'll tell you, you know, I watched your speech, your comments, and you thanking people. And I even texted Billy Bob over here. Man, Hermie took the uh, he took the gloves off a little bit in that speech, and I was yeah, you did. I was glad to see that. You know, it's a shame you said earlier my team versus their team. You would think you would be on the same team, yeah, trying to better the state. We're the same problem in South Hill. I call it old guard versus new guard. It shouldn't be a guard. It should be what is what is best and what is right. We're on the same path. We're just two different levels. And it's a shame that it has to be two different teams. Yeah, well, I've always, you know, I, I mentioned on this podcast several times, not only Senator Stanley, but George Allen and other people, to try to be careful about being derogatory towards fellow Republicans. Um, but I didn't, you know, I you got to protect yourself at the same time. Sure. So if... Um, and I get so irritated with the statement, welcome to politics, or that's just politics. And it's, uh, I have a hard time. Doesn't have to be that way. Buying into that, uh, that narrative. But, you know, when somebody questions my integrity over anything, I'm on fire back and it's just going to be that way. And so, um, it'll be what it'll be. And, but we're going to move on down the road and try to continue. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it today. Uh, it's oh, so many, yeah. so many battles that me personally and my family and my campaign are fighting, and I'm fighting against people that I had no idea that I would have to fight against. To yeah. all I've asked for, all I've wanted in this process is a fair opportunity, and I'm gonna have to continue continue to keep fighting to try to get that opportunity. Well, you know, the sad part, Monday night, we had a constituent come to our meeting who obviously was was displeased with the actions that have been going on since January the 1st. And this particular person stood up. He uh, told us as a council that we were only there to pass policy, look pretty, kiss babies, and when necessary, cut ribbons. And he cited the Virginia Code of how to have an elected official removed. He told us to write it down and get familiar with it. 
you know, what a sad day when that particular citizen, everybody has a past. I don't live in a glass house. This is a disbarred uh, attorney who pulled five years for embezzling money from his clients. And he wants to stand before us and tell us what a bad job we're doing and how low our ethics and our standards are, and that he wanted to apologize for his generation that our grandparents did not teach us how to be leaders. Wow. Who's this guy? His name is Vernon B. Oakley. That's (laughs) O-A-K-L-E-Y. And that's what he does at the meetings. Oh, really? And that's the best. Is he some kind of lawyer or some kind of... He's a disbarred uh, attorney. Oh. That's the best that the old guard has to throw it. And this was out in the public. In the public. Right. It's on YouTube. In the open meeting. In the open meeting. Reported on. How do you spell it? That's (laughs) O-A-K-L-E-Y Jr. Vernon B. Jr. Huh. Well, uh, that's strange that someone who might have their own problems. Oh, yeah. Tries to point out the problems of others. I mean, but to do not judge point, lest ye be judged, right? To Hermes' point, welcome to politics. Yeah, and that's and that's something we're going to talk about, too, because even part of the reason why we've been off for a week, we had a very good, really good couple of podcasts, and because of our schedules, we had to take a week off. But we're back, and, and in that week, oh my, what has happened? And your campaign <laughs> has been through a lot. <laughs> I wasn't even I mean, there, and I'm going to have to whistle. I mean, so... So from what I remember, because I am involved, because um, I'm your lawyer, I'm your friend, and, and certainly you kind of blame me for this, uh, which I don't think is fair, uh, that you're running. But I think I you're running- I thought it was a jar of moonshine at Wintergreen. No, it was not moonshine. It was a mouse and other things. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you become a candidate for a, a political party, there's a nomination process. And that nomination process right now, the law in Virginia is changing next year is either three things, a primary, which is a state-run, state board of elections-run primary, a party-run in the Republican Party, what we call party canvas or a firehouse primary, which is like a primary, but instead of being at every you know registered precinct uh, in every county that represents the legislative district of 17, the party picks three places in each county or city that makes up part of that legislative district, at least three. And then there's what we call a convention. Now, in previous podcasts, we have talked about at some point in time, it was a convention. And you you said, you know, I don't care what the nominating process is. I'm going to win. I'm going to work very hard to get the trust of the people to become their nominee, the Republican nominee for the 17th Senate District. And then you'll have a big fight after that nominating process is determining, has determined who the nominee will be. Then you got to go against the Democrats, which is an even bigger fight. You can't even get to that point. (laughs) But what we have seen and what is actually going on, and we're going to go, we're going to do a little bit of deep dive and unpack this, is we have seen an alteration, an incursion, an unjust, I believe, putting the thumb on the scale to favor one candidate, and that wouldn't be you, over another, using the party apparatus and the powers that be in the executive branch the judicial branch, whatever branch, I'm sorry, the legislative branch. And so let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, I said today we're going to talk about racing first, but but this is a race. Well, let and me t- tell everybody what's going let on. Let me tell you from my perspective, and then Please. you can dive in. Because you're a first-time candidate. This yeah. is not like you have a lot of experience in politics. So I've said this before. Uh, I had kind of hoped that Delegate Brewer, who is my opponent in this nomination contest, I had hoped that she would 
remain in her House of Delegates and fight for her delegate seat that she currently has because it's just as important to maintain a majority in the House of Delegates as it is to gain a majority in and the Senate. And it's 52-48 right now yeah. so uh, in favor of Republicans. So if she moves out of that House seat, that could be now we're at 51-49 and we're starting to fight for our lives for the Republican majority in the House of Delegates. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that didn't happen. She has a right to run just like I have a right to run. So she announced, she actually announced in back in January of 2022, I announced in November, although um, she was well aware that I was going to run because when she called me in January and asked me to endorse her back last January, I told her I was going to run, but I wouldn't announce until way later in the year. But anyway, so she's going to run, I'm going to run. So we start having these conversations with our campaigns. We start going to all these GOP meetings around the district. Uh, I advocate from the beginning for a primary. Uh, I'm I'm new to this game. I don't understand all the ins and outs, but I do know a primary. And the reason I advocated for it was two things. Number one, give everybody a better opportunity to vote everybody across the district. You go to your normal polling place on a Tuesday, just like a regular election. And, you know, whatever the case may be, or whatever date they pick, but you can vote where you normally vote. And that, brings in the elderly people. And like in my case, if you got a special needs person, it, it just makes it more convenient for everybody to vote. Well, and, and remember the difference between a convention and a primary. Primary is just like a, a normal voting day in November. Uh, the difference being some of the conservatives say, well, Democrats could come and infiltrate and vote. And I would think if Democrats are going to come and infiltrate to vote to hopefully win this seat for the Democrats, they ain't voting for you, Hermie. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> but be that as it may, in a convention, what you've got to do, for those that haven't listened to the earlier podcast, and we appreciate you tuning in for the first time, is that if you want to be a delegate, you've got to go to the mass meeting of each Republican committee in each unit in counties or cities that make up the 17th district. You've got to go put your name on a list that I want to be a delegate, and then you have to be elected by that mass meeting body. And there are shenanigans that can go on there. People can slate you off. People can come in in mass and vote you down and vote their people in. That's the first level of shenanigan possibilities that occur. But if you're on and you're made a delegate, then you've got to go back again to a second uh, organizational meeting, which is the convention for the Senate district. Sit there mostly all the day, listen to speeches, take votes, do whatever. Then there's more shenanigans that can go on slating and and whoever's controlling the rules may control the body. And it really, even though it's a party-run process and people think, well, it's a convention because there's no Democrats, uh, the enemy is from within because it's Republicans harming, getting out the spears and, and trying to jab other Republicans. So it can be a real mess, but it requires more of an effort, as you were saying, with the elderly or people that may not have the time. It requires more effort because you got to go one meeting at the unit level, get elected, hopefully as a delegate, and then go to the second meeting, which is the convention, and then vote for your candidate. And instead of one man, one vote, the votes of each unit, that is Suffolk or, or Greensville, Emporia, is weighted based on what your, what your population voted for for president and the, or governor in the last election. So, so it's not have, one for one. You could have 501 people vote for Emily. And 502 vote for Hermie. But if those 501 were in a more heavily weighted district, like, say, a Suffolk, then they have more weights than, say, more votes by weight and volume than, say, somebody out of Greensville. So somebody could be carrying two votes to another person's half vote. And so that's another way to, to slant the election. So it's really not the fairest method 
of voting, uh, a party-run canvas, firehouse primary, or um, a regular state-run primary, that's where one man, one vote actually comes into play in picking the nominee for the party. All right, so back in December, the Legislative District Committee, which comprises the committees of the chairman from all these committees across this district, which would be Dinwiddie, Emporia, Greensville, Brunswick, Southampton, Franklin, Isle of Wight, uh, Suffolk, they all met back in December for a vote to vote for the nomination process for this race. Every one of the committee chairs voted for a primary except Alawite and Suffolk. They voted for convention. The difference was Alawite and Suffolk together to Senator Stanley's point, they haven't had enough of the weighted vote to have over 50% without everybody else. Correct. So them two, Control it. Controlled it, and they had it figured out before anybody even went, because that's what my opponent wanted was a convention, and she had, um, she had the ear of Suffolk and Isle of Wight committees, so they voted for a convention to appease her. So we started back in December, building towards working towards a convention. Well, along about the middle part of January. It got back to people on my campaign team that some of the people in Suffolk were concerned about the possibility that my opponent was trying to uh, potentially control the mass meeting, somehow control the convention. They were concerned, of, you know, to Bill's point, some people think, OK, we'll have a convention. We'll keep the Democrats and the shenanigans out. But the people of Suffolk said, if we let one candidate take over the control of the mass meetings and the convention, then we've got shenanigans again. So the LDC decided that they were going to have another vote or another meeting and reconsider the vote. Well, once Emily's team found out about that, all of a sudden... Lo and behold, the second congressional district, along with Dennis Free, who's in charge of that. The chairman. The chairman. They come in while all this is going on because now they're worried that Suffolk might be calling another vote and they might potentially change their mind and vote for a primary. They decided to take an action and defunct the Suffolk GOP unit and try to remove the current chair and... Then they appointed a guy, I won't call his name, that to be the chair of the quote-unquote new Suffolk GOP, who this person has donated, actually donated to my opponent's campaign multiple times in 2022. And, and just so we can make sure everybody understands, the second district committee is the second district congressional committee, which kind of oversees or its membership is made up of uh, of the counties and cities and those local units that make up that congressional district. They're usually a lot bigger because it covers a lot of space. There's 11 congressional districts in Virginia, 11 congressmen and women. And what you have then is that's the Republican governing body for that congressional district. I was fifth district chair for four years, brought back because they didn't like the chairman one time for another six month uh, stint. I was a unit chair f uh, for four years previous to that. But what you have then is they kind of govern 
in some way, they're the governing body over these local units. And when they, and the word defunct or dissolve, uh, when they move to dissolve, usually the, under the state party plan, which is a Republican party plan rules, a district chair like myself can go in and, and, and pretty much declare that the, that the unit is not functioning as a Republican party unit. But the reasoning for actually dissolving the Suffolk uh, committee was in my mind ridiculous because in my opinion was extremely unnecessary nor warranted by law or fact was because the Suffolk committee got mad that the speaker of the house, current Republican speaker of the house, Todd Gilbert would not bring up any gun bills or abortion uh, protect abortion right to life protection bills in the house because he figured they were all going to get killed in the Senate, and he did not want to have some of his delegates take bad votes that might hurt them in their reelection efforts. That's really what he's doing. He's protecting mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And Suffolk made a statement censuring, and they voted on it, censuring the Speaker for not bringing up those bills and giving them a fair hearing and sending them over to the Senate, even if they were going to be killed. That's all they did, mm-hmm. which is their opinion. And that is the basis upon which the second district chairman, Dennis Free, and others determined for themselves that you're not functioning as a Republican committee because they dare go against the body politic or the leaders of the, of, of the political party, maybe embarrass them or they didn't like the word censure. And so to me, that's no reason to dissolve a committee. If a committee has a, an opinion about something, about how we're doing our job, if the Franklin County Republican Committee wants to send me a letter of their displeasure of how I voted a certain way or how I'm not doing my job, or if they want to use the word censure, that's their God-given right. Nothing in that should say, well, you're not functioning as a committee. Well, under that scenario and that that thought process, Suffolk is not functioning as a committee because you don't walk in lockstep with leadership, which is not what the Republican Party stands for. We're not syncophantic. We're not robots. And all of these people that we depend on so much at the local level, at the Suffolk committee level, that work so hard, volunteer their time and help people like me get elected to be disrespected by a district committee uh, chairman who believes that you've, you've, you've brought shame upon yourself because you dared to, to challenge somebody in a leadership role, I think is the silliest thing I've ever heard. So I don't think it was the right thing to do. I think it's not going to stand up on appeal when they appeal it to state central. But so it had to be for an ulterior motive, in my opinion. And the ulterior motive was they wanted to put their thumb on the scale and dictate the process of nomination in the 17th Senate district to favor one candidate who might be favored by the speaker or someone else over another who happens to be a grassroots guy like Hermie Sadler. So. Let me walk back through this if I can, Hermie, just so the listeners because when understand. Because you think it is, it gets worse. <laughs> just, yeah, just so the listeners scratching the surface. Hey, just so he's the about to bring you some documents. Just so the listeners understand. Sure. Hermie Sadler filed a lawsuit against Governor Ralph Northam in the state of Virginia for, in his opinion, government overreach. Correct. And he won that three times. Yes, and it's still going on. Okay. We can talk about that a little bit so later. So we started on that. Mm-hmm. Then Hermie uh, saw what is in his view, in his opinion, some misjustices and misrepresentation of Southside Virginia by Louise Lucas, who stays mad as a motherfucker, that never That's gets anything bucks, done. Hermie, I got to pay West. But so... <laughs> Hermie decides to run as a Republican to bring help to the Republican Party 
on the state level. Well, and not only that, but to be a voice and finally give a voice to people in that part of Southside Virginia that have never had it for 20 some odd years. So Hermie declares to do that. Mm -hmm. And then the same party that he is trying to help and represent and continue or regain a majority on the state level, the same party that he's declared to help is now pulling these shenanigans against him. Um, and, and it's not the first time they've, they've done that. They try to control the process because they want to control outcomes. Remember part of the lawsuit that Hermes had against the, the government uh, with, in, with regard to skill games and, you know, has been the government cannot pick winners and losers in this new emerging, in, emerging industry here in the Commonwealth when it comes to gaming. And that fairness should allow small business owners like Hermie, like other people throughout the uh, Commonwealth, to be able to participate using skill games valid free speech protected skill games. And that's why he fought in this. What we have is again, uh, you have the party apparatus, the party leadership trying to determine who the nominee will be because they don't trust the grassroots or the average voter to make that determination for themselves because it might, you know what? It might bring more problems for him because Hermie's not going to walk in lockstep just like Suffolk didn't. Hermie's going to be a conservative. Hermie's going to listen to the people. When there are times he can agree with the party, he will. But if, if there's something that he's got to stand up for, for his people that the party apparatus and apparatchik doesn't like, well, then he's going to go with the people rather than the party. I can only tell you, and I've told this to Hermie on phone calls that we've had, it's exactly the same thing they did to me. When I was angry after they impeached a very conservative chairman of the Republican Party of Virginia, and I was counsel, and I lost by one vote in the state central committee, and it was rigged rigged i mean factually i can say this not opinion it was rigged we lost by one vote wow. i decided to run for fifth district chairman well guess what i wasn't one of them and so they did everything they could even though i ran a 19-day campaign to make sure i did not present a challenge from their chosen candidate even to the point when i was at a convention in the richmond coliseum before 5,000 people this was the year the bob mcdonald uh, ken cuccinelli bill bowling were were chosen as our candidates and ended up winning uh, they made me put my speech on the teleprompter rather than have it in paper. And then about a minute and a half into reading it and riling up the crowd and getting people cheering, they turned it off. They put people underneath me screaming ex expletives at me, saying, calling me every name in the book. I mean, saying things about my mama, Ooh. screaming at me because they didn't want me. They saw me as a threat. So that ticked me off. So I lost, I think, you know, 41, 59 which wasn't bad for a 19-day campaign. So then I ran for fifth district chair. I was a unit chair at the time. Well, they did everything they possibly could do to rig how that vote went. And I won by, I think, two or three votes. And so I became fifth district chair. Well, then I helped Robert Hurt get elected, one of the you know, Republicans that the apparatus liked, but also conservatives liked, and was urged by Virgil Goode and Ken Cuccinelli to run for a seat. And I wasn't planning on being a senator. Okay, I'll do it because my community is important. And when I started running, uh, my former leader, about to be former leader, and everybody else was like, they had this statement, which was anybody but Stanley. And they ran people against me. They tried to uh, change the method of nomination. They tried to mess with me as much as they could. And I won going away that nomination and eventually won that election, which, you know, the moral of that story is perseverance. When you push back against these people, they don't like it, but they don't know how to handle it. Because they're used to being bullies and not working in a fair space. But Senator, An equal playing field is foreign to them. And so that's why I think this is emblematic of why Hermie fought the governor and won 
and why Hermes in this fight now, because it's only the right and fair thing to do, because people should determine the nominee, not the party. Well, this is why, in my opinion, so many everyday voters are just disenchanted from the whole process and the parties. You're exactly right. Because the parties themselves cannot get this together. I mean, why? <laughs> just put it on my fucking bill. I told you that. Why? Why? This will not this be piped through the church uh, loudspeakers. I mean, but really, why? I mean, this is just unnecessary. Put the candidates out there. Let the people decide. And then the party is going to be better and stronger for it on the other side. Let me tell you, the people that vote Republican believe exactly what you say. Yes. The people that run the Republican Party believe that you are a threat to their power, authority, and future. Well, this is why we say... That's wrong. Or I say... And this is why we're in trouble. This is why we lose elections. This is why the Democrats take the majority, because some of the Republicans, in my opinion, would rather have their power, even in their space, even if they're in the minority, because they would rather work with Democrats than work with somebody who stands up for conservative values and for the people that he represents, like Hermie. Well, this is why they'd I rather say. lose the seat than have Hermie. They'd rather lose the majority in the Senate that we don't have now. Right now, it's twenty-two eighteen. If we're going to get the majority back as a Republican Party, you got to win the seventeenth. He's the strongest candidate. He's going to bring voters from across the aisle. He's going to get the independents and the moderates. But he's also a conservative that does not go back to the left or to the center, hoping to get votes. He stands on his principles. That's how Republicans wins. When you move to the left, when you placate or you allow the authority that runs the show like the Republican Party to dictate, then we lose. When the grassroots is fired up and they come out and vote, when, they, when you're judged on your character and what you stand for, then we win because we have the right ideas. We have the good ideas. Conservative ideas are Virginia ideals. And that's where we need to be. That's what this fight should be about. Instead of who's going to bring a delegate or who's going to slate somebody or who's going to change the rules and create shenanigans in a convention. Let the people decide. All right. So we got to a situation where and I'm fired up like Chef Moss They right voted now. for a convention. Put it on my tag. Suffolk <laughs> thought they wanted to reconsider I'll take the it vote off your tab. because of yeah. some concerns they had been hearing about shenanigans going on at mass meetings and conventions. So they called another vote. The majority voted this time for a primary. Yes. I think this was like March the 1st. First of March, like that. yeah. Yeah. The chairman, Don Jones, submitted the order to State Board of Elections. It was certified. So it's done. Certified. Then last Thursday, it was posted on the State Board of Elections website. As an official document. Official an order. document. An order. Document. That 17th Senate district race would be a primary. So as you can imagine, we go out as, as, as a campaign and I'm getting signatures. Putting out signs. Putting out signs, going to talk to supporters and business owners about the primary. We knew the date, all these other kind of things. So we take, take our whole campaign and turn our focus towards preparing for this primary. So last Thursday, the website, it actually gets posted on the State Board of Elections website, primary for the 17th district. Then the next day, Friday, right at 5 o'clock p.m., it's pulled down off the website, and so it's not listed as a primary anymore. Now it's listed now again as a convention. So the document got burned. So... (laughs) Well, yeah, in, in, in cyberspace, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it got burned. But, you know, take this to another level here. 
One, they said the that Dawn could not file the document because they had dissolved Suffolk. But in the state party plan, the legislative district committee is an independent body, independent of the party in many ways. Once she was duly appointed by the existing Suffolk committee and she There's was the only chair, ones that could dissolve it. Yeah. Then how do you remove her? So, so they are standalone. And so their whole, their whole argument is that she lacked the vote on the committee to vote for a primary, a committee that has no money to pay for a convention has no money to rent the convention hall that has to have at least 1,500 people, has to pass fire code, has to pay for insurance, has to pay for at least water to make sure nobody passes out, has to pay for the, uh, the paramedics that are going to have to be there uh, in case somebody is, gets sick, that has to pay for uh, the security and the police officers to, to guard the, usually which is a county-owned building. These are schools where you can have these because gyms are the only places that are big, big enough. enough. They can't afford it. They can't do it. And yet now it's being forced upon them because they think a primary is not into their chosen candidate's best interest. And the reason they took out Suffolk was, and I got this from Eric Brazil, was that he, he, didn't, he didn't support uh, the, the chairman, the last chairman before Don, didn't support Youngkin, which is a fallacy. He did support Youngkin. So now they're making her pay the debt on a closed account. And that's their second reason other than they sent a censure letter out to the speaker. I mean, they're, they're scrambling to find a reason to justify why they dissolved the Suffolk committee. But if you dissolve the Suffolk committee, doesn't mean that Dawn, Dawn is the, is no longer the chairman or loses her right to vote because once Suffolk duly organized, picked her as the chairman, then she, she had the power to vote. So that's they, not taken away by what they did to Suffolk. So what she did was legal. They're acting like it was illegal because they're the judge, jury, and executioner. And so then they, they put their own puppet in, who now replaces Dawn. He has his own meeting, declares, declares a convention, but then doesn't approve a call because you have to have a call, an official call that's voted on, of time, place, manner of that convention to be held. So people are given notice. And so these units, these local units we've been talking about can organize a mass meeting to elect delegates. They don't even have that. I'm hearing that they're trying to get that call approved by email, which again is against party plan rules against Robert's rules of order. You got to have a, a physical meeting. You got to discuss, you got to debate, you got to vote. And then you send out the call. This is a mess and it's a mess created by them, not by the Sadler campaign, not by Don Adams, not by anybody else, but the apparatchik, of the Republican Party because they didn't like that Suffolk, how dare you have your own opinion about how we're doing our job in the General Assembly. Outrageous. So is Suffolk, is Suffolk independent of the RVP? RVP? RPV. RPV. No. It's not independent. No. It's a, it's a, it's a subdivision. It's a subdivision. Uh -huh. okay. It's a part of RPV. But the legislative district chair, the uh, 17th LDC. Which is Dawn. Is an independent. She's just the chairman, but there are other members from the other, like Isle of Wight, Greensville. Brunswick, Dinwiddie, Southampton, Franklin. There you go. They make up the legislative district chair. Each committee appoints somebody to go and represent them and make votes for them. Is the LDC independent? Yes. Of the RPV, yes. Of the RPV. Correct. And the RPV has... Because of the way From it's what I've just created heard, in the what we call the state party plan, it's independent. So the so the Republican Party has gone in and in some ways they've broken into the house and they've stolen their stuff. bounds right. on a independent part uh, on an independent committee. In my legal opinion, yes. Them. And here's the other problem: 
what Dennis Free does is he becomes the chairman of Suffolk until he appoints somebody, as you said, who he's, whoever he's appointed. But then he has to, they have to have a mass meeting to reconstitute the Suffolk committee, which they're not calling because they know when they reconstitute the Suffolk committee and they get all these members who, who come back out of the go back regular, to primary. No, it's going to go back to Don Adams, his chair. Don Jones. Right. Don, Don Jones. Jones. I'm sorry. Don Adams. Sorry. Don Jones. My apologies to Don Jones. Don Jones will become the chair. So talk. So, Herbie, so it's an exercise in futility. She'll be reelected as chair. She's not, she's not prohibited from running for chairman again when they reconstitute the second after Dennis Free, you know, choked it, killed it, suffocated it. And then and put somebody in that he thought would be more helpful to, to Hermes' opponent and get what they want because they don't want fair process. But when they reconstitute it, Suffolk will be right back to where it was before, if not before that the state central committee on appeal ruled that whatever Dennis Free did was improper and illegal and violated the state party plan of the Republican Party of Virginia. So doesn't this whole mess fall right into... Hermes' lawsuit claim on the skill games, government overreach. It's a party overreach, not government overreach. Well, but, I, but the party's actions come from those that are at the top, the pinnacle. You know, you've heard me talk about the pyramid. Correct. The smaller group at the top that tries to dictate to the what body. happens to the body or to the party. And so, yeah, this comes from the top. I mean, it, you know, it seems to me you were talking uh, earlier, Hermie, that and correct me if I'm wrong. Suddenly we had SBE, which is now run by a Republican majority of governor appointees from Governor Yunkin, ordering a primary based on Don Jones's actions. And then all of a sudden in the middle of the night in the smoky back room, that order is rescinded without legal basis to do so. But from what I understand, in my opinion, happened was we had our own governor's people and perhaps the attorney general's office, the people we elected to do the, the right things, not to act like Democrats, because this sounds like a Democrat thing that they would have done. They went in there and pressured the chairman of the state board of elections, SBE, as we call it, to change that order based on their beliefs, requirements, and maybe uh, party power. And that that's just not how government should be run. Elections should be run by the by the government itself, not by a party necessarily. But ultimately, it has to be independent of the branches of government, legislative and the executive branch. And as I said before, I, I was OK when they said it was going to be a convention early on. We put our campaign in place and we started to prepare for a convention. I was OK when they decided to change it to a primary. We just changed courses and started to get prepared for a primary. But everything that's happened since then is an embarrassment for the Republican Party. It's an embarrassment for both of us as candidates trying to run elections, going to talk to potential supporters, constituents, voters um, at a time when we need Republicans to be energized and get out to vote, not Unified. only in this nomination process, but also in the general election. I'm going to talk to people. And what's going on with the primary and the, you know, the convention? It's just embarrassing to try to go talk to people and, and pump them up about, you know, and they get disenchanted with it. And that's why people, the Republicans are not voting. Well, and that's why they won't come out to vote. Or that's why now you, they're discouraging. What they're doing is maybe intentionally discouraging people to be involved in the party process, even at a convention level. Why am I going to go to be a, to a mass meeting and spend three or four hours of my very valuable Saturdays only to be voted down by shenanigans and slating um, by by a party that is 
Like my dad used to say to me, when I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. So you dis- you, you're discouraging people to get involved at the, at the critical moment when Glenn Youngkin, our governor, needs the last two years of his agenda be, to be put in place. Or otherwise, he's a lame governor that got very little things on his agenda accomplished. Why are we doing this? Why don't we just say, let the best person win and let the, and let the process take care of itself instead of dictating process and dictating outcomes? Because just like I said before, when we dictate process and outcomes, we lose as a Republican party. Why are we always in the minority? Cause you know what? Democrats know how to do this stuff. We fight each other. I had Don McEachin, the late great Don McEachin, a friend of mine, Senator became Congressman. We were on opposite aisles, didn't agree about much, but, but we certainly had an affection for each other as human beings, and we would debate politics all the time. And he looked at me one time and he said, Bill, you know, the Democrat Party would pay a billion dollars if a consultant came to us and said, you know what, I have a way to create create disunion in the Republican Party, to manipulate the Republican Party so that they spend more time fighting with themselves than than fighting Democrats. We'd pay it, he said, but we don't have to pay a billion dollars because you do it yourself without ever having to drop a dollar. And that is the truth. We are better at fighting ourselves than we are fighting Democrats. We are better at fighting ourselves than fighting for good principles that will lead Virginia to its greatness in the future and protect our children. We are greater at putting people down than than putting people up, bringing them up. We are good at discouraging people to be involved in the political process than we are at getting them at the grassroots level to be involved in it. As we're taping this, it's Thursday, March 16th. Mm-hmm. That order for the primary was sent by LDC chair to state board of elections, March 1st, 16 days, ago. 16 days. Okay. But as I'm sitting here today, my campaign has been not notified of a change from a primary wow. to a convention. My opponent in this nomination process has already posted on her website three or four days ago that there would be a convention. And apparently she knows where the convention is, the date, the time, the yeah, location. Talk about that a little bit. Talk about that a little bit. So when, when the primary documents were filed, the order is released on the first. Right. Suddenly, in that back room, the pressure is being put on, and in and in uh, Delegate Brewer's website, what happened? She put up. I mean, first of all, she put up convention. Then she took it down. But while all this was going on about, and while there was. On the State Board of Elections website, it, the order was posted as a primary for our race. She had backup on her website that it was going to be a convention. While the State Board of Elections had ordered, put the order of a primary up on the State Board of Elections website. Wow. So she had a, while they posted a primary, she had on her website convention. Here's the date. Yeah, here's time. the location. <laughs> here's the time. Here are the forms. She picked it. So oh, she did it. She picked everything. She did everything for it. I mean, but it here's what to wear. Here's the drinks. Here's your menu list. I mean, I mean, it's like a it's like a party planner or a wedding planner. I mean, she knew more than the rest of the people that she hopes to get to that. She convention. her website as it well, knew more than the state board of elections did or her campaign team. Amazing. So well, somebody on her campaign team is dealing with somebody with a lot of power either uh, in the governor's mansion or at the RPV or somewhere. And she's getting information way, but to, as I'm sitting here right now, almost a week later, we have received no 
notification, you never explanation, have? no, never, nothing, never. nothing. No. Not a smoke signal, nothing. Now, wouldn't you think if the State Board of Elections... Hey, that's not very woke, smoke signal. <coughs> hey. It's the indigenous people. Okay. Wouldn't, you think, wouldn't you think if the State Board of Elections presented an order, and then they were going to rescind that order and change it to another method, we should at least get an explanation? Uh, I think you should have been given notice before it happened or at plus at the same time. Plus explanation. We did not. Plus an explanation. You're right. We did not. The But I bet she did. The uh um, she knew because obviously the she chairman in your opinion. The chairman all of a sudden oh, no. stopped taking phone calls and did not want to discuss it. Chairman of the SBA. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you two will the join me. Servant, by the way. I know very you very good one, by the way. I, I think very highly of Susan Beals. Yeah. You two will join me in challenging every great Virginian across the seventeenth to call their representatives and ask what is the bleep, 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 bleep going on in the 17th and let's get this mess fixed. Well, who do they call? Well, I was just trying to save myself a little money right who then do by they, doing the bleep. But who do they call? I mean, call your, call your representatives. What, calling a House of Delegates member or calling a senator is not going to change this? I mean, I guess you got to call the governor's office or call the state board of elections, or you got to call call the chairman, Rich Anderson of the Republican Party of Virginia, who's got his fingers in this, whether he likes it or not. I'm sure he's uncomfortable. He's a friend of mine, too. I like him very much. But, you know, I guess he's got to take his marching orders from the people at the top or above him, which are at the governor's speaker level. Well, Billy, we've got to have somebody that we can call. Um, I think you got to come around to the unfortunate conclusion that because of all of these shenanigans, you've got to ask the judicial branch to intercede. To intercede. And usually judicial branches, the courts, do not weigh in on public political disputes. They, they do not render political, what we call political opinions. That's out. That's Marbury versus Madison, the first important Supreme Court of the United States case, which actually um, you know, validated the separate three separate branches of government. However... What we're talking about is a ministerial act by the State Board of Elections. Form properly filed. The State Board of Elections should not get involved in the dispute with Suffolk or whether Don Jones is the proper chair or not. Form properly filed. From a, hear- from a meeting that the Legislative District Committee had voted on, she went and filed the form pursuant to that under the apparent authority to do so. Then they were rescinded for whatever reason from whatever political pressure that they got. And then... What the court then has to say, because under the code, it's a ministerial act. If the form is properly filed, the state board of elections shall not may not wait around sometime and see if somebody disagrees with it. Shall you know, file an order for an primary. important word shall. Yeah. And so. If you're going to do this, and I guess this is a consideration of you, but I think the legislative district committee should file a lawsuit. And I'm sure that's probably in the works. Um You've been injured because you bought signs. You went out yourself. You paid money for people to go get signatures on petitions to put you on a primary ballot. Mm-hmm. You've expended resources in social media, money and social resources and time. Your campaign is send suffering out, the injury. emails hey. and text messages. Yeah, and this man is going door to door every day on social media. Follow it. He, he it's is crazy. relentless, and I appreciate that because that's what it takes to, to win because you remember the people you talk to at the doors that you knock on when you're up there pressing the red or green button more than you remember uh, the party bosses of the Republican Party who say, I need you to vote this way. Remember in Tom Garrett's podcast that we had weeks ago, Tom said when he got to Congress, he said, hey, I want to be on the Ag Committee. And he's like, I need you to vote for this farm bill. He said, I'm sure when I read it, I probably can get to yes. That's not good enough. You're supposed to give them blanket You're reassigned. And read them later. We don't do that in the Senate. 
We don't. They do it in the House. They walk in lockstep with whoever the leadership in the House is. Well, you will be pulled off committees the very next day. We have an independent streak in the Senate. That's where there's 40 of us instead of 100 of them. In our, in our caucus, we take votes, but we don't make somebody vote against their conscience. We may vote, you know, out of our 18, we may have 16 that, that want us to vote a certain way on a bill and two that don't agree with us. We don't sit there and look at the two and say, well, you're out, you're outvoted. You have to vote with us. We have that independence. But here in the nominating process, we're devoid of that independent thinking. We're devoid of allowing the process to take care of itself and that the right person is, is chosen and he's not punished or she's not punished for being an independent thinker, an independent conservative thinker. Instead, the person on the other side of this nominating contest is being rewarded by this, by the shenanigans, this strong arming, this muscling of the party apparatchik because that person on the opposite side of this nominating process is one of their pets, favorites, walks in lockstep, does what they want. They know. They'll tell that person if they're elected to go press the green button on this issue, even though it may be against her conservative principles and against uh, the people that she represents. And the chances are pretty good, in my opinion, that she may press that green button because they told her not because of any independent thought. So, Hermie, let me ask you this one more time. We've been friends a long time. You've got a beautiful wife, three beautiful daughters, a very successful business. You've had a great successful NASCAR career, a sports analyst career. You've got over 300 employees in your business. Um, you've got a Rolodex of who's who in your phone. Why in the hell are you doing this again? <laughs> well, great question. For me, it has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with being, in my opinion, called to serve. Um, I've been around politics my whole life, never had a second thought about being involved in it, but my passion has come through my personal experiences because I tried to go deal with my elected officials and the general assembly in the way that you're really supposed to do it. And that is go try to call, set up meetings, go advocate for your position give them the other side of the story, give them things to consider. And in, in, in large view, for the majority of people that I talk to, with the exception of my dear friend, Senator Bill Stanley, most people in the General Assembly are, their thoughts are dictated by who's donating me money, mm -hmm. who are the lobbyists, who are the special interests, is this going to help me get more votes, is this going to help me get more campaign donations, is this going to help me keep my position on a fancy appropriations committee, power, something like that. Power. Not, is this the right thing for the people of my district? Mm. And so I, I, I had that at every turn. So um, I think the system is broken in a lot of ways. I think a lot of the people in the system are broken. And <laughs> it's my, it is my journey, my calling to try to, go make a difference. And I don't know if I get elected, you know, the number one, and, and the, the, the number one reason is that I understand how important getting control of the Senate is in the Commonwealth of Virginia. I realize how important that is. That's the number one reason on top of everything else that I decided to take that next step and go in because it doesn't matter what I think. 
And how many people I know, if we don't have control of the Senate, in a lot of ways, we're stuck. And I believe that the way this 17th district is drawn up, as long as it is in the areas that it covers, it's going to take someone with a lot of name recognition and a lot of support across the whole district to win the general election. And I respectfully say that I don't think Emily Brewer can win the general election. I well, don't think she has the name recognition. For, forget about her legislative record one way or the other, or what I don't like about what she's done. You know, on She the, hated Donald Trump, by the way, but I think that's probably going to come out. That's what I know, though. Yeah. yeah she was well, anti-Donald Trump. And she may have endorsed John Kasich uh, yeah, in 2016. Absolutely. That may come and out. Said well, some bad things about Donald Trump, but, but really the most important thing that you're the point that you're making is um, if Louise Lucas, who's in a, probably a tough primary fight with Lionel Spruill, Senator Lionel Spruill, in the newly reconstituted district from redistricting uh, over there in the Portsmouth, 18th. the 18th, 18th. Mm -hmm. if she thinks Emily Brewer is going to be the nominee, I will bet your bottom dollar. And, and if this convention is what it becomes, she's gonna then she's going to move over to the 17th and run because she knows she can beat. She knows she can beat the delegate. If she thinks Hermie Sadler's going to be, because she's basically intimated this in not so many words, but many words. If she thinks Sadler's going to be there, she ain't going to run against Hermie. Now, if Louise Lucas enter, enters the 17th district race, that is going to be millions of dollars spent. And you better be ready to raise a bunch of money and work your tail off to beat them. The determining factor of whether we're in the majority or the minority as Republicans in the state Senate and the general assembly session of 2024 will be whether Republicans win the 17th Senate district. And if Louise Lucas is in there, it gets a lot harder to do. And so right now I think it's Clint, uh, what's his name? Clint Jenkins. Clint Jenkins. Uh, we'd like to keep Clint Jenkins because he's a beatable candidate. But you're bringing a lot of political power to the 17th that will be used against the people of the 17th in order to keep her seat if Louise Lucas runs. Well, I just implore every Virginian that lives in the 17th to call a friend, do a social media post. The importance of this race now is you cannot go unnoticed. Oh, it's, it's gotten even bigger by, uh, but it's bigger exponentially and right now because of our shenanigans. Spread the good word yep. about Hermie Sadler. Well, I totally agree. It's got to happen. I totally agree. And then we're going to go to break. And you know, I got some Manscaped product for your, for your beard that I've got in the back of my car. I've got to give to you. We, we always appreciate Manscaped being a partner with us on Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler in the Center. Have we left anything out here, Herm, that we, we've not touched on? Because when we come back, we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about the skill game lawsuit because there is some movement and things going on there. Yeah. People are interested, always uh, texting me. And since they were texting me, I'm getting text after text. Where's the, where's the podcast? Where's the podcast? So here it is. And we're going to release it probably tonight, hopefully. But we're going to talk about skill games. We're going to talk about Sadler Stanley Racing, where we are in the open wheel modify and the smart mm -hmm. series and the upcoming wheeling races in Virginia. And then we're just going to talk about uh, racing in general, what we think of the NASCAR uh, circuit four races in. I'll just say one more thing. The people, just like we are doing in the skill game lawsuit, which to me is an ad to advocate for small business and their rights and the rights of small businesses across the Commonwealth of Virginia, same mentality in this election. I'm going to fight. I'm going to take on whatever they throw at me. My goal is to, all I want in this nomination battle and this in this in this election 
is a fair and equal opportunity. And I'm going to fight tooth and nail, step by step, all through the process to make sure to do what I can to clean all this up or clean as much of this up as I can. Because I said this to you the other night, Mm -hmm. as much as I think it would be refreshing, doesn't have to be me, but somebody to have somebody like me in the Senate advocating for our area. If I am able to clean up all of this mess and if I, if it works out that I'm not elected, but if I still clean up a lot of the problems, I've still been an impact and I've still been successful and maybe it will help the next person that comes along that decides to step up and serve and fight. If some of this machine is out of the way that may be against a candidate like me, maybe we'll uh, stay in their lane from now on and give everybody a fair and equal and open process. You're exactly right. There's a lot of lessons to be learned here for the party and a lot of education for the participant in the nominating process and for the regular voter throughout the 17th district. And I hope everybody uh, stays engaged, stays involved and appreciates the fight that you put up, man. I mean, I respect you because you just, you know, like me, Right is right, wrong is wrong, and you stand up against the wrong or you're not fighting for the right. And so that's what you've been doing, and, and, I, and I really appreciate that. And I think the voters will, will reflect that in their votes, whether it's a convention or a primary. But I think the, the things we're going to have to consider is whether we sue. Uh, I think the Legislative District Committee probably is going to sue, whether we participate in that. Uh, you know how that people will try to use that against you. Yeah. Um, but if you're fighting for what's right, then it's the right thing to do no matter what, because if you don't fight, then they'll continue to do this crap. Just say one more thing. Yeah. Just so I'm, I'm clear. When the LDC sends an order to the state board of elections, they are obligated to certify that as that nomination process. Correct. Correct. There is no wiggle room. Okay. You can't go back and go, well, it wasn't the proper chairman. And that's what they're trying to do. Well, you know, we removed her. I mean, the court's not going to get into that. The court's going to say, did you follow the code of Virginia? The LDC legislative district committee chairman followed the code, followed the proper paperwork. Proper paperwork was received by the SBE, the state board of elections. They issued the order. When the state board of elections rescinded that order under pressure from the political uh, top of the pyramid people, that's when the state violated the law. And that's what, if you're going to file a lawsuit that you're going to try to fix to put it back in the position that it was under the law. And that's the law. Like we were talking about earlier, Shep, shall not may. Shall. It shall file an that's order for primary. Word. And that's what happened. We're going to take a break here. I'm going to get Shep his uh, trimming equipment uh, fresh from manscaped.com, which we appreciate. Always put in that promo code Sadler, S-A-D-L-E-R, and get 20% off shipping. And 20% off your order. Your free no, shipping. Free shipping. That's right. It's been a while, my man. Uh, but we're going to come back and talk about some other things. And we're going to listen. Please listen to some of our uh, sponsors. Uh, we appreciate you doing that. Man, it's good to be back. And man, we're fired up. It's like we never missed a day. Oh. Indeed. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator. We'll be right back. Hi, folks. This is Hermie Sadler. Thanks for listening to our all-new podcast, Leaning right and turning left with Sadler and the Senator. I hope you are enjoying the show as much as Senator Stanley and I enjoy bringing it to you. Whether you're a family traveling together or a truck driver hauling freight up and down the highway, I hope you will take the time to visit one of our Sadler Travel Plaza locations in Virginia and North Carolina. Sadler Travel Plaza locations are licensed dealer locations 
for pallet travel centers. And we also carry Shell Motiva Petroleum products for our four-wheel friends. We pride ourselves on providing one-stop shopping for service, food, and entertainment. Our food options include Five Guys Burgers and Fries, Quiznos, Dairy Queen, Hermie Sadler's Faux Show Bar and Grill, Victory Lane Restaurant, Hunt Brothers Pizza, Dunkin' Donuts, and much, much more. Our locations include Sadler Travel Plaza in South Hill, located off I-85 at Exit 12, the Sadler Travel Plaza of Emporia, which is conveniently located on Exit 11B off I-95, and Sadler Travel Plaza on Highway 58 in Suffolk. We also have our North Carolina location, Sadler Travel Plaza in Dunn, North Carolina, that's exit 75 off I-95. We appreciate all of our customers, and Bill and I appreciate you listening to Leaning Right and Turning Left with Sadler and the Senator, powered by Pacematic. Hey, this is Bill Stanley, Hermie Sadler's sidekick on this podcast. When I'm not in Richmond at the Capitol or doing this podcast, my real job for the past 27 years is as a trial attorney with the Stanley Law Group. Here at the Stanley Law Group, we represent our clients in every courthouse in the Commonwealth. No problem is too small for us to solve. No case is too big for us to win. Whether it's criminal charges, traffic offenses, civil disputes, litigation matters of any sort, we handle it all. We make sure that we treat every client like family because they are us. Your problem is our problem. Your success is our success because we hate to lose more than we love to win. And believe me, we win a lot. Don't believe me? Go ask Hermie. I'm his favorite lawyer and he hates lawyers. So give us a call at 540-721-6028 and let us help you. Or visit our website at www.vastanleylawgroup.com. That's www.vastanleylawgroup.com. At the Stanley Law Group, we'll make sure we're the lawyers that you swear by and not at. And we're back. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Virginia State Center. I'm leaning right and ready to fight after that last segment. (laughs) You know, I tell you, it feels so good sometimes just to let it go. Sure. Just to let it go. Well, and, and not only that, if we weren't talking about it, and other that would keep others from talking about it. Yeah. You know, you need to bring, and I think you were you used the word earlier, transparency. Yeah. And politics, and especially intra-squad politics like the Republican Party, a lot of this stuff is done in the back rooms without transparency, and that has to end if we're going to win again. If we're going to lead Virginia, just as we've said earlier, then you know we need fair process. We need more involvement of the party regulars, but but the voters in general. We need the ability to tell that voter why they need to vote for us. Yep. You know, what, who am I? What do I stand for? What will I do for you? And especially in an area that's not had that representation for over a decade, that makes this even more important. I know some people may sit there and go, oh, I'm listening to this stuff and it sounds kind of, you know, monotonous and boring. But quite frankly, this is why if you don't do something, if you don't get involved, if you don't fight, then this stuff keeps occurring and you're stuck with it. If you go out and fight, if you go out and vote, if you go out and participate and support the candidate you like, whether it's your opponent or you, then you can ensure a fair process so that ultimately, hopefully, the region is represented by somebody that's going to fight for them, not work for the party or do whatever, you know, the party top, you know, leadership brass says. I'll say two things. And I know we probably, for some people's taste, talk, talk about it too much. Was it, if it was not for our lawsuit, 
the skill game lawsuit, mm-hmm. there would not only be small businesses that would have been devastated two years ago coming off of a pandemic, yep. but there would be an unconstitutional law on the books yeah. here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. With people getting prosecuted. With people getting prosecuted. Or their businesses getting shut down because they're fined $25,000 for running uh, a legal gaming operation that the government says is illegal. They shut them down and guess who wins? Casinos, Rosie's, Churchill Downs. Exactly. There would be an unconstitutional <laughs> law <laughs> on the books in the Commonwealth of Virginia that people could go to jail for violating if it was not for our lawsuit. And the people that are actually fighting you now on the definition of what the nomination process would be would have put that law on the books unchallenged. People would have gone to jail unconstitutionally. Businesses would have shut down because they would have been fined, as I just said, or whatever. And we would be run by casinos, Churchill Downs, those people, Rosie's, and not as Virginians have a say in the direction of our state moving forward when we've opened the door. I didn't want it. I didn't vote for it, but we opened the door to gambling, gaming, casinos. Uh, But we would be ceding the field to out of state interests that would dictate policy for the, for Virginia for years to come. I mean, I saw, I saw, Oh, look, they had a record month at a, you know, their, their temporary casinos are like $13 million. But that, that money goes right out other than winnings paid out, goes right out of the state. Other than the people that are employed goes right out of the state. And guess what? Then they come back in, they hire 67 lobbyists to come into the General Assembly and say, we want this, we want this, we want this. And we have no control as people electing representatives who then go and fight for the people to make sure that the people make the decisions and not the casinos, not not the gaming industry, not the Churchill Downs of the world. Do you think there's any chance, in your opinion... That any you of are these, learning well, any of these people that we have, let's just say, pissed off because of our success of our lawsuit, right. is there any chance that they're putting any pressure on the Republican Party, people within the party, even on up the chain from there, potentially all the way to the top? It could could there be any collateral damage from from the success of our lawsuit? People that are trying to, let's just say make this campaign difficult for me? I think it's entirely possible. And this is the reason. Just go through the campaign reports from the people at the top of the pyramid, even on the way down, even maybe to your opponent who've given a lot of money, who try to exert a lot of influence with those individual legislators. Yes. Not only entirely possible. Look, you've gone against the grain. You sued the governor. Now it was really popular. Go get him, Hermie. When it was Ralph Northam and Mark Herring. Now it's Glenn Youngkin because by transfer, by his election, He's now the guy. Yeah. But they've been pouring money into campaigns and to individuals. They don't do because they think they're a really good person here in Virginia and they'll fight for the citizens. What they're hoping to do is say, hey, without saying it, we supported you. Now we have this initiative. Now we have this bill or now we want to eliminate small businesses from participating in the gaming marketplace. We want that monopoly. Uh, You're probably more receptive to their point of view because they gave you 15, 20, 25,000. Mm-hmm. They were the platinum sponsor at your wine event. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I, I, Hermie, you go against the grain. I'm going to tell you quite honestly, in the same way with me. I mean, I've been there 13 sessions. I'm still not liked by leadership. The same leadership that wants to do you in. I don't have a relationship with the people that are actually trying to put their thumb on the scale 
of your nomination process. Quite frankly, I believe that my support of you, our friendship, our lawsuit has caused me more problems in the House of Delegates than would otherwise be there. But you know what? We stood up for what we believed and we have been proven to be the right thing, standing up for small businesses. And now you're seeing the resonating effect from mm-hmm. it. And you're seeing it, you know, I told you when you and I have had conversations on the phone, politics, especially at the campaign level, is the verge of insanity at any, any one given moment. It's whether you give in and give up. That's what they want you to do. They want you to walk away. Yeah. They want you to say, all right, I have enough. This is not right. They don't care whether it's right or not. They just want you out of the way because you pose a threat to their power, to the special interests that may have influenced them. You're not the regular politician that walks in lockstep with them. And quite frankly, that's the refreshing part of why you should run and why you should fight and why you're going to win. That's what I think. And the second part of, I said, I'll say two things. The second part of that is, of all the concerns that I had when I decided to to run, I, I guess I should have, but I never concerned myself with the notion of, do I think I'll get a fair shot? Huh. I, I never... Because you just assumed? I just assumed that I would get a fair shot. That's understandable. And... That's the naivete that actually makes you more refreshing. It's... No, it's a dirty game, brother. It's a dirty game. It's a dirty, bare-knuckle blood sport. The real concern I've got that could not And it's only, not run by the voter. Yeah. It's not run by the grassroots that, that go to these meetings. They want to fight. It's run at the top level at that pyramid by a smaller group. And what they're doing is they're trying to strong arm and muscle and push but you the around. The one concern that I have, one of many, not only for my race, but I think it could hurt Republicans all across the state in November is there are a lot of Republicans that are disenchanted, disenfranchised with the party. And have been so for a while. Because they will not get out of the way. They just, most people, I'm not going to say all, most people that I come in contact with just want to feel like their vote makes a difference in that the people have decided who should run in the general election and who should win in November. And, and they I expect you that. to follow like sheep. Yeah. They expect and the voter to follow like sheep. Yeah. They expect the listener who's listening to this now, be sheep. Don't be the lion. They're the lion. But my concern is... This is why politics is corrupt. The, the, my concern is, is that the issues that we're having with the RPV and with the legislative district committee and all the, I'm afraid come November time, I don't want that disenchantment or the drama or the bad vibes created around Senate district 17 to hurt other Republicans and other part of the state, because this is a critical, critical election coming up in November. Maybe and, the most important because it's going to dictate policy here in Virginia for the next 10 years. And, based that's, on and that's why I decided to run because yeah. I felt I like that. we need an option. We spent many hours on the phone. We need an option. We spent many hours on the phone with the debating, the, the emotions, the yeah. physical, you know, the, the philosophical, the legal. I mean, you didn't have to do this. You didn't have to step out with courage and say, I'm willing to make a change. I'm willing to do this differently. 
You didn't have to, man. Your life is good. And a lot of people, a lot of people that run are like that. But a lot more people that want to run are too afraid because of what actually is going on right now yeah. in your nominating process and the political party involving itself in and the leadership, the, you know, the body politic at the top trying to dictate process. That's what keeps really good people out of the fray. Yeah. So you almost have to be fearless. It's like, screw you, man. I'm going to fight. And that's where I'm at. That's where I was 13 yeah. sessions ago. I was like, screw you. This is not right. And I you, don't believe in it. You probably heard some And that's of why it. I'm here today. But you know what? 13 sessions later, I'm not a body man for the political party that I represent. I'm a conservative first, Republican second. Right. But if I disagree with my party, I'm going to say it just like the Suffolk committee said, we disagree with your, with your strategy speaker. And now they get punished for it. They're dissolved. There is no Suffolk committee except a, a body of four people that the party approves of. And you wonder why people get disenchanted with party politics yeah. and why we lose elections. Man, it's just crazy. You probably, and I had several people and they were all said to me in a positive way after the speech I made at my campaign event in Franklin. That was a good one. Monday too. night. I had several pe people come up to me and say, well, you finally... You finally did it. You finally started to come out and tell people what's going on behind the scenes and with your opponent and otherwise. And what I alluded to was she made a, an insinuation in a newspaper article that I had paid off members of the LDC. Really? And I didn't read that. There's really? nothing more. Um, nothing in my world cuts any deeper than that. Well, what she's saying is your opponent is saying is, He's just like us. <laughs> he's just like us. But what she he claims to be an outsider, but he's an insider like me and the people that support me. What she's referring to is a friend of mine and yours, both Eric Brazil. Good guy. He's the uh, chairman of Brunswick County. Yeah. Uh, Republican committee. He works for me. You hired him before you. Announced. He is. He has worked for me long before I ever decided to right. run for political office. Yeah. And by the way, he was working for me when the LDC initially voted for a convention. And he's on the LDC, is he not? Yeah. Is he? Okay. He, that, that's fine. He voted. Nobody's going to call him a, 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 an establishment guy. But what I'm saying is he worked for me before I decided to run. Mm -hmm. No issue. He worked for me when the LDC back in December voted for a convention. No, no problem. Okay. But when the LDC reconsiders their vote and they vote for a primary, then, oh, look at Hermie. Bought and paid for. Eric Brazil. He, Eric Brazil bought and paid for. And by the way, nobody's ever going to say Eric, Eric Brazil, Brazil has voted for, for a primary since he was born <laughs> <laughs> and will vote for a primary every time uh, he gets a chance, regardless. But you want to talk about a guy that's not wedded to the party, yeah. that is wedded to his principles? Yeah that admits his failings and his frailties as a human being under, under God's law. I mean, this is a, this is a guy that actually everybody should trust because he's honest and open and fair. But so to say that, that he's suddenly bought and paid for by Hermes, but fuck, you know, oh, it cost you 10, 10 bucks, bucks. <laughs> put it in the jar. But I, I didn't say the, the K, you know, the, uh, the, the ironic part was, is while she's making these careless, slanderous, yeah. Accusations about me. Yeah. They are all working towards defuncting Suffolk so they can get their guy yeah. who donated to her campaign in charge of the Suffolk committee so he can run the convention. Yeah. 
but I'm the corrupt one. Yep. <laughs> Remember, the biggest criminal points, and in my opinion, the one that did wrong points at the other. It's I mean, unbelievable. How many times have your kid, when, when two kids of yours are in trouble, when they were younger, they'd point to their sibling and go, mm, he did yeah, it first. Yeah. Or he did worse. Especially when they were the, when they were the transgressor. So it, it, it's an amazing thing. And I know we've been talking about it a lot and, and we'll just, uh, we'll just end there. Let me, Hermie, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now what's going on in your skill game lawsuit. Again, you have an injunction. You got the injunction or originally that said skill games are protected, free speech, first amendment protected, uh, which kept the skill games on, as you just mentioned earlier for small businesses to compete and be a part of the marketplace of gaming that we've now, this industry we've created or allowed in. You know, I have my own personal opinions about that. We got it. It was appealed by the casino interests and the, and the government. Uh, Supreme Court upheld that ruling. They then tried to inject in the budget a change in language, word spaghetti in a different way to try to ban skill games in a different way. We went and fought that, won that. One would think there'd be an order in place right now, Herm. That was what, December 5th? I mean, four months ago? Right. Before Christmas? There is still no order in place. You know why? why? I do not know why. Oh, ask me why. Why? Is there <laughs> no order in place? <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because the AG's office won't sign the order. We sent it to them a couple months ago. They fiddle farted around. They haven't, they've just gotten around to send us back a draft, which is absolutely like they weren't there at the hearing, that they don't have access to the transcript, trying to change the order to do something that the court did not rule. And so now we're going to have to go back to court and argue the entry of the order. But, you know, they can't do anything. I mean, they're paralytic over there in the attorney general's office. Send back something that does not reflect what the ruling of the court was. And now we have to waste the court's time and go in front of uh, the judge and ask that an order be entered reflective of what his ruling was because the attorney general's office won't acknowledge what the court ruled and wants to change the order to reflect something that the court did not rule. So, uh, myself is breaking counsel, news to me too, because yeah. I, I didn't no, know this is the first time I'm telling you right now, because I just got it on my computer yeah. during the break. I actually had to get on a zoom call with my client where we're back after the break, but at the same time in another case, it was a client, not you, but at the same time I got the order and I read what their proposals are. And it's, it's like, weren't you there? <laughs> I mean, we have a transcript where the judge articulates the ruling. They want to change that order in a different way that does not reflect the court's ruling. So we're going to have to go to court instead of getting this resolved, instead of going through the process, instead of getting a final hearing on the permanent injunction, keeping skill games protected as first amendment expression and the interaction between the player, because it's protected free speech. It transmits a message, which is interactive with the player. The player is allowed in a skill game, unlike a game of chance, to win every single time mm -hmm. using their skill. That's right. That's why they call it skill games. The enemies call it, you know, the adversaries, the, the people that are probably against you call them gray, gray machines, machines, gray games. And they do that because, you know what, it interferes with the people that they've probably accepted a lot of donations from when their monopoly of games of chance, where the house always wins. So here's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to go to court. We're going to have to schedule a hearing. Go get the order entered. Argue and debate the order. Then when once the order is entered, they may try to appeal. They may not. Who knows? And then we got to get to a final hearing for a final injunction. In the meantime, we have wasted in the General Assembly by coming out, as we've said in earlier podcasts, without a tax and regulatory process. 
because the casinos and the Churchill Downs, the Rosies, have said they would rather keep tax money from the people of the Commonwealth to benefit the people of the Commonwealth, because to do so would be to be to give up some of the field of what we're doing. So to we're legitimize de- us. Right. So we're giving up two hundred million or more in tax revenue because they want to fight a long game because they want the monopoly. And and I've said this before on the podcast, I'll say it again. If they were to win, they'd come back to the Virginia uh, government and say, Hey, I know we got rid of skill games outside of our control, but we need skill games in those convenience stores, bars, restaurants, and truck stops. We just need for them to be under our control. Exactly. Yeah. And so I have to wonder in my opinion, in fact, those conversations were already, people were already calling me, well, they right were already the happening onset. in the General Assembly session that a- ended at the end of February. But I'm a couple of years ago. But right you got to wonder with the Attorney General's office, who are you serving? The people of the Commonwealth, in my opinion, or these special interests? Yeah. Because otherwise, you would have gotten that order in, tried to <clears> appeal <throat> it. Let's get the train Expedite moving. It. All right, let's go. Let's get the train moving. Let's get to a final. If you're confident, you're going to win. Let's go. And as we said before in an earlier podcast, which you can always find on our library, and we thank Podcast Heat as our production. Uh, our our owners, Jeff Jarrett, uh, they have a library force of what fifty seven episodes. We detail all of the travails and all of the process and all of the journey, uh, what we had in this litigation up to this point. But I gotta I gotta ask myself, why wouldn't they have worked? What caused the two and a half month delay on getting an order in based on a ruling made from the bench from the judge that supported us and went against them? Why would you just sit on it? Why wouldn't you do anything until today we're finally getting a draft from the attorney general's office? It makes me wonder. I mean, I I hope because Jason Miare's Chuck Slemp, these guys are great people, but are they influenced by the special interest? Are we fighting something bigger than ourselves? Fighting for the little guy and the big guys getting bigger and bigger. Why are we waiting so long? This doesn't seem right. There's never been a court case that I've had in 30 years of practice where it took two and a half, three months to get an order in. And then when they, when we gave them the order back in December, we now get a response in March that says, eh, we don't agree to it. Here's our changes. And our changes don't even reflect what the court said. That concerns me. It really does. And you know, I'm a part of the system. I'm part of the judiciary as a lawyer, but I'm also a state Senator. I'm really concerned. And my party's in charge of at least two parts of this. My party's in charge of the attorney general's office, the Republicans, the governor's office, and the House of Delegates. What the hell is going on? We all as Americans, as Virginians, need to always hold our government accountable because that's what our founding father said. Don't trust him. I've said it before. Thomas Jefferson said, vigilance is the eternal price of liberty. He meant it. And now I know why he meant it and what he meant. There's outside influences affecting this nomination process for Senate that I'm running for. And obviously there's things going on in the AG's office related to our skill game lawsuit. I don't think it's coincidental. There and, is no such coincidences yeah, in politics and, or government, as they say. You know, and, and I think about it take Hermie completely out of the equation. But when I think about all of the small mom and pop, small business operations, second, third, fourth generation 
family-owned convenience stores, taverns, restaurants, all across the Commonwealth of Virginia that had not been for our litigation would have been steamrolled by not only the casinos, but our own government. Political interests. Political interests. Yep. That's what motivates me to, to keep going. Because, as I said earlier, had not been for that, we would have an unconstitutional, not ruled unconstitutional by a lobbyist or a special interest group or an investor by a court of law yeah. and the Supreme Court of yeah. Virginia. Well, and I think it's a benchmark and a guidepost of why you're running, why you should run, and why more people like you should run and win. I mean, does the simple question is, is this government run by the people or does the government run the people? Is it the government that serves the people or the other way around? Is the Constitution a protection of the people of the government or is it an instrument of the government against the people? And if we believe in free markets, as you profess and, and have been a participant in, if we believe in this republic created at the federal level, if we believe in the democratic system that we have in the Commonwealth of Virginia, then the government serves us. But it seems like the government finds a partner that's better to dance with, brings more money to the table, helps people stay in power, and they say, you're more important special interest than the people, man. It's dis disheartening. It's discouraging. But we need more Hermie Sadlers. Yeah. That's what I fight for for 13 sessions. I'll continue, hopefully, if I'm nominated and elected in the new 7th District, the Senate District uh, to the South. And look, for Southside and Southwest Virginia... Our voices become smaller for two reasons. One, our populations have reduced comparatively, comparatively speaking to Northern Virginia, Hampton Roads, Richmond, Virginia Beach. So they get more representation. But then also, too, we've kind of lost some of the people like Senator Bill Carrico, who was on this podcast earlier, the big fighters. We kind of go along to get along. We need guys that are going to fight, going to throw up their hands and say, I'm not putting up with this because that's what you think in Northern Virginia is not the way that we in Southside and Southwest Virginia, think about values and the way of life and how we live our lives and how we teach our children and raise our children. If we give in to that, then we've lost all of the Commonwealth. If we articulate good positions based on the principles of faith and family, then I think we can convince the rest of the Commonwealth that we have the right message and the right policies and we'll make the right choices and that the people will trust us to govern not letting Northern Virginia dictate to the rest of Virginia how it should act and what it should do. One thing I know we're doing that I got to tell you, I've been surprised not only through the, it's been going on almost three years now, this lawsuit. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but also in my run for office, I've been kind of discouraged and also somewhat surprised at how many people are unaware or I'm not going to say uneducated, but don't understand all of the, don't really understand what's going on. Part of that principle is they want to be left alone. Right. They don't want government interference. Right. So they don't involve themselves in governance. Mm -hmm. But they understand, you know, we, you cede the power to the govern, government, you cede and, and lose that power of liberty that you have. You know, I've been spending a lot of time going around the district and not only knocking on doors, but also going to talk to business owners and otherwise. And I start talking about these things like, our lawsuit and the and the entry of a 
of a criminal code change inserted in the budget and how that, and it, eight out of 10. Have no idea. What? Really? Are you kidding me? And they're shocked, right? They're shocked. And then I start talking about this nomination process. The LDC sent an order to the State Board of Elections to certify a primary. It was certified, posted, and rescinded. And now my opponent is advertising a convention, and I have no notification of any of it. And they're like, what? (laughs) You know. But unfortunately, some of them say, that's why my vote doesn't count. That's why it's not worth getting out to bed to go vote. I'm going to throw up my hands and just let it happen rather than fight. it, I, Ladies and gentlemen who are listening to this podcast, tell your friends too, this is the time to fight or yeah. we lose it all. We'll lose it all. I mean, all you got to do is look at, uh, at Fox News or CNN or, or just the news in general and see where we've lost power and authority when it comes to being a parent or the education of our children. As we've said in earlier podcasts, that children should be taught how to think, not what to think, but are being taught what to think that are being objectified, those children in school. They're being groomed. They're allowed to have access to books that we as parents would never let them have access to. They're allowed on the internet and that bill that we've talked about, 1515, that I got passed under the radar for a good reason why I didn't publicize it, was to put filters to keep children away from pornography on the internet. Unless we fight, I mean, the most basic, beautiful, greatest natural resource we have is our children in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And unless we as parents or uncles or aunts or grandparents are willing to stand up and say, enough government, enough liberals, then it's going to happen because they do it a little bit incrementalism at a time. Yeah. Incrementally at a time. And look, and pretty soon it's, it's too late to fight. The fight is on. The fight is now. Loudoun County proved that. What's difficult for me in this situation, and you, you touched on it earlier, when our lawsuit started, it was against Ralph Northam and Maul Caring. Mm-hmm. But th- it wouldn't have mattered because this law was, you would think, unethical, much less unconstitutional. Right. So it had to be fought. Okay. Yeah. But this is difficult for me because now I have this lawsuit against the governor's office, the attorney general's office. Mm-hmm. I don't dislike our governor, no. and I don't dislike – I, I have – I had our attorney general at the truck stop last year on their bus tour. Of course. Fed them chicken. And I I generally, genuinely like Governor Youngkin. And I like Jason Miares. And I think they're good people. And I think, by and large, they've been good for the Commonwealth. Jason has been especially aggressive protecting children in Loudoun County Public Schools, which I represent the Smith family, uh, whose child was brutally attacked in the bathroom by a dude wearing a dress. Um, he's been very sharp on, Jason has been very sharp on making sure that, you know, children who earn awards are given those awards by the schools and not held back because they think that that violates some kind of equity policy that they have. He's fought against, and the governor's fought against CRT and who's in control of those educational ideals. I mean, they've done some very, very good things. Well, I say all that to say, it appears that I'm fighting the government on three or four different fronts. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm fighting for what I believe is right, but I don't wish ill will on our government and I don't wish ill will towards the governor or the attorney general or Republican party of Virginia. But these things have to be, these fights have to be fought. If you truly believe in your causes 
and I can somebody's got to fight them. I can, somebody's got to fight them, and I can only hope that we all, including me, the party, um, the confidence in elections, all these things, come out of whatever is ahead of us in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I hope we all come out of it somehow united in a better position to fight. Because me too. We know how many times have I said in the lawsuit. We're not the enemies of the casino. No. The illegals are. Yeah. I'm the illegal not, gaming that they're all putting under the gray machine kind right. of moniker. The illegal people that don't the care games about of the chance law anyway. are not regulated. The they're not the, the ones enemy, protected not by us. the First Amendment. Exactly. And the Republican Party and my opponent in this fight for nomination, our enemy should be the Democrats. <laughs> and, you would think. But we're fighting each other. Right. And like I said earlier, we're really good at that. If we were as good at fighting the Democrats as we are fighting each other, we'd never lose. And what irritates me, and I'll just go ahead and say it, it irritates me that people like my opponent, her fighting for or fighting against people's right to vote mm -hmm. and allowing everybody a fair opportunity to vote, to me, she's putting what she thinks is better for her political career over the people. That's a good point. And that's really opinion. frustrating. Yeah. That's yeah. really frustrating. Well, and, and we're going to transition out. We're going to talk a little racing here before we wrap it up. And, and I just want to bring it back to your fundraiser, which was amazing, by the way. I've never seen something like that early in a campaign ever. I've never even seen something like that except until, you know, you're in, the, you're in the last months of the throes of a campaign for governor, or lieutenant governor, attorney general. Nobody gets that kind of kind of uh, of crowd out there and, and really energized crowd from all over. I mean, I met people there. I shook hands as I want to do at every table and met everybody all across the district. African-Americans, there were Hispanics, there were whites. We we're all getting together. We all had one simple thing was we believed in you, Hermie. But I want to say one thing, because we've been really serious in this one. And, and usually a lot of people like that we joke and and needle each other. And, and Chet Moss, by the way, if you haven't heard from him, he had to leave because he has to go on vacation. He has to go on a trip, drink some more. What are those drinks he drinks? Uh, Transfusion. What, no, what do you call those? Elvis Presley? I don't have Oh, Miami either. Vices. Miami Vices. Yeah. He's going to lose some weight this week. And I think I got this wrapped up. <laughs> he is done. So he's off to uh, Myrtle Beach, right? Myrtle Beach. With, uh, did you get an invite? No, sir. I did not either. But we're usually lighthearted. We, we mix in, you know, the good interviews. We mm -hmm. want to... We, we bring celebrities to the table. We bring issues to the table. We bring comedy, as, or at least the stuff we think is funny. But I do want to say one thing about that party. I'm driving down from Richmond to go there. I call you up, and you said, hey, what time are you going to arrive? I said, I think like uh, 5.30, something like that. Yeah, you say, it, you say it close to 5. Close to 5, something. Yeah. And uh, you go, hey, okay, go, go pick up Kyle Petty. Like, yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to tell you no. I'm like, oh, sure. Look at He's a, yeah, he knows you, so it's a friendly face. Sure. Well, I get in traffic in 95 and come stop. I call my wife. I'm going to pick up Kyle Petty, man. It's going to be awesome. And she goes, oh, you played off to me like it. Yeah, it was no big deal. It was, it was like a, like a, oh, yeah, like yeah. a inconvenience I for you. getting ready to take And you're calling your, calling your wife and you're, you're, uh, oh, yeah. you're yeah. starstruck. And you know what Laura does? Your car's a freaking mess. And she's not in the car, but she knows my car's a freaking mess. You can't have him in your car. It's a mess. Go, oh, my God. And you so pulled I was, over and cleaned the car up. I pulled up. over and cleaned the car up. And not only cleaned the car up, I found a roll of toilet paper back from the pandemic days, just in case there was an emergency and a run on the toilet paper. And I got a bottle, half a bottle of water that I hadn't drank. And I wiped down the car with a, with a roll of toilet paper and water, cleaned everything out, got everything back up. And the fact of the matter is Kyle couldn't have cared less. That's what he told me later. But 
but so I get back on the road and because of that delay, then you go, where are you? What's your ETA? And I was well, like, Kyle I'm now 520 me. or 540, Kyle 20 like later. 515. Uh-huh. And he said, Hermie, I'm here. <laughs> I said, Bill's coming to get you. He said he'd be there a little after five, so he's not there? Yeah. Let me check. <laughs> no. Bill, as usual, is on Eastern Stanley time. I was a little delayed. And uh, so... From cleaning and traffic. Yeah. So then I got I got bought out. You said yeah. I got somebody a mile so away. It's going to Chip Harrop, who I want to give a shout out to, uh, provided good the man. air transportation. Good Great friend guy. of mine from Owen Dinwiddie. Passion. Strong Republican. Passion. I love his passion. He uh, he said uh, he, his son left Petersburg and flew to Concord, North Carolina, and flew Kyle up to Franklin, and waited for the show to be over and flew him back. But anyway, so I so called I, replaced. I, I called you back and said, "Where are you?" And you're like, uh, I was eight miles out, which said 15 minutes. I said, too late. 15 minutes, but I know you're 15 minutes. <laughs> That's 30 to it's, 45. It's what the computer told me. So it's what Siri told me. The airport was only, it was less than two miles from the venue. So Chip, I said, Chip, run over and, uh, and pick Kyle up. And so he ran over and picked so, Kyle up. So I got replaced. You did. And then I told Kyle when I saw him again, it was great to see him again. And he was such a friendly guy. And he, he laughed at me when I told him I was cleaning the car. And he said, man. And he told me about how they used to get free cars from Chevy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how they never cleaned them out and actually never changed the oil for 60,000 miles. Right. <laughs> he told some funny ass stories. But I missed a great opportunity to have Kyle Petty in my car. I never would have sold that, that Cadillac that I'm driving, that yeah. grocery getter. As my what, a, what a great guy, man. Well, and what a, what a great support that was. Yeah. But a down-home guy that, that shook every hand. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like a guy you knew forever yeah. in the audience singing to you. And he mm-hmm. did a great job. Yeah. So we got to have him back on. He's very entertaining. He told you know, a story about getting pulled over in his dad's car. Blacked out. <laughs> yeah. Blacked out. Uh, Tinted windows. Tinted windows. Um, and, and his with dad a, with drove a, by. With, with the cop, with what the cop told him was an illegitimate license plate. Correct. Which was. Uh, <laughs> hey, the Richard Petty. It was uh, RP43 with his face on it. With, his, with Richard Petty's face on it. It was an license illegal plate, license plate yeah. from North Carolina. And and we cannot do this story justice, so we got to bring him on. I'm serious. Just have him on in the next couple of weeks, even for 15 minutes, just tell some of those stories he told. But maybe not the goat joke, if you're listening, <laughs> Kyle Petty. So I want to talk about racing. See, did you like that segue? Yeah. Freaking hey, I'm a professional now at this crap. Um, SSR Racing. Sadler Stanley Racing is back on the track. And we've had three races and only one race. Yeah. <laughs> the well, uh, smart modifieds have been rained out or, or weathered out here the last, man, two, last weeks. two weeks. Mm-hmm. But so, let's talk about the first race. I mean, the first race was, was at Florence Speedway. I represented the company, mm-hmm. our race team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I showed up with my wife, of course, stops and buys everybody food from Jersey Mike's because they love Jersey Mike subs. And she does a great job. I love my wife to death. My son was there. He was having a great time. And there was Bobby Labonte. And Ryan Newman, mm-hmm. Bobby in the 18 VA, yep. Ryan in the 39. Mm-hmm. And it was just so great to see what we've talked about doing, yep. what we wanted to do out on the track, and to see the crowd reaction of you and me bringing those two drivers, putting them in those cars, and having them compete in this race. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really think about it, it's just amazing. It is. You know, the, it, you and I... And there's two regular folk there, too. You and I own a open-wheel modified team... And our drivers are Bobby Labonte and Ryan Newman. Yeah, no kidding. I you like know? to pinch myself. So if you think about it, it's... Yeah. Oh, it's and really, by the way, it's going to be Kyle Petty, too. I I promised Kyle at your event. Remember, on an earlier podcast, which you can listen to, and we've actually played the Kyle Petty, I think, interview twice mm-hmm. on our episodes. 
Um, you know, I ask a lot of people if they want to drive. I mean, I think everybody, I, I, even the Lieutenant governor went some serious, everybody. And she said, yes. So maybe we got to find a seat for her, but I think it'd be great on the, on the events where Ryan can't be in there or cash, or maybe bring out that third car you built. Let, let Kyle Petty go out there and drive one, man. I mean, he, that would be awesome. Wouldn't it? Well, if he runs good and doesn't tear anything <laughs> up, it'd be great. But man, he's just such a happy warrior. Yeah. And it would really bring but up think, that crowd for the Spartan I think with the schedule and the, we've got a couple open races, um, I see no problem with running a couple of dates by Kyle Petty to see if he'd want to do That'd that. That'd be great because he's such a great guy. But So we went out to Florence Motor Speedway, which is a historic speedway in South Carolina. I made the four-hour trip. Um, we enjoyed the heck out of the day. It was a, I mean, I mean, beautiful day. I'm sunburned. Mm-hmm. It was like 80 degrees out there. Yep. And tell us about it. I mean, we ran pretty good. Well, you were there, so you tell us about it. No, you were there. I was not there. Oh, that's right. You weren't there. You were at a softball game. I was at a softball game. So from the beginning, um, yeah, both of our drivers were like, yeah, the car ain't what it should be or this and that. And then uh, and Bobby Labonte goes out there and runs second in qualifying. But he lived for a while too, didn't he? Uh, well, he ran second in qualifying, drew the pole when they redraw the top five or top 10. Ryan's car was a little tight, so he, I think he qualified 16th or 17th. Yeah. And then he went out front, I mean, and ran... For what, 20, 30 laps, uh, the lead, Bobby Labonte did, and looked really good, was pulling away, and and he had Matt Hirschman and and others behind him kind of shuffling back and forth. What we really saw, and 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 Ryan told me later, Ryan Newman told me later, was he lost power steering after about lap 25 or 30 mm-hmm. and was wrestling that car, but he wrestled that car through the field from 16th uh, to eventually 6th. And then we finished um, sixth with Ryan and ninth. Bobby put on a tire at the last uh, pit stop with about seven or eight to go. Yeah, Tire wasn't any good. He dropped back. He finished ninth. But man, he ran a race. But here's what I really liked is when he got out of the car, he was smiling. So was Ryan. Ryan yep. was giggling. But they were having a great time. And that, that to me epitomizes what you and I are trying to do. Not only put two legends out on the track to bring more people to these short tracks, bring more attention to the Smart, smart Modified Series, but man... These guys are having fun, and that makes me happy. I know it costs money to make them happy, <laughs> and you write the checks, but I just was over the moon, over the moon about it. And I mean, best uh, race ever until the so next one we hopefully see. Hopefully, we've got um, Caraway and South Boston coming up. Yep. And, uh, well, we had, and we had two races. We had Caraway canceled, so now that's yep. coming up next week. Yep. Then we've got South Boston, but we have then... Friday night before that, Richmond. Exactly, which is the NASCAR wheeling races, right? And both are going to be there. On that weekend at Richmond, Bobby and Ryan will be driving our cars. And then at South Boston the following day, Bobby and Jonathan Cash, because Ryan has another commitment with his daughter right? Uh, that he told us before the year started as far as the April 1 date. In Brooklyn South races. Yeah, doing she, great. She too. does horses and, and mm-hmm. actually in, in midgets, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so guys, while we're talking... And Jonathan actually, Cash really did well for us before. Well, uh, until you walked out of the... Phil track. Stefanelli has been texting me while we've been recording, and they're actually testing uh, at um, Caraway. Caraway today. Yeah. And uh, he tells me that... Uh, both drivers are running identical speeds, and so far the test is going great. That Jonathan Cash has got some talent. Yeah. I think he's somebody that we bring up over time. Yeah. When we expand a four-car team. <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of great ideas. Yeah, man. Oh, you, oh, I've told you some of them that we can't talk about on air yet, but I mean, I want to buy a racetrack. But you said no. What? Yeah. <laughs> I want to buy a racetrack. I want to buy a historic racetrack. I'm not going to say what, but I'm, I'm looking into it. 
There's a picture. Oh, that looks nice. Man, cars those cars are, are good looking. Yeah. And you know what? Home. I actually heard a lot of compliments about that color yellow. Yep. Which is your Sadler yellow, lunar yellow. Mm, lunar yellow, yep. I was telling uh, Ryan Newman that uh, in 1978, I was driving a Monte Carlo, Chevrolet Monte Carlo, and it was that exact color. And we called it the pea machine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't call it the pea machine. All my friends did. So, uh, so they ran really well at Caraway. We had the, I mean, at uh, Florence, pardon me, uh, had the Caraway race rescheduled. It was rained out. And then this weekend, we're supposed to be at Lonesome Pines, a historic track in Coburn, Virginia, Virginia yep. West, I mean, Western part of the state now owned by, um, Rusty Wallace, right? Who I think saved he the leases track. it. Okay. Yep. But they saved the track. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's it, this weekend, actually, that's supposed to be this weekend. It's supposed to be 35 degrees flurries and windy about 40 mile an hour. And I, I think the track didn't think they'd get many people out there and want to be able to pay a good person to have a good yeah. race and have a good, good attendance. So we moved that, I think to September, the smart modified did. I talked to Chris Williams. That's probably a good idea. I would suggest to Chris Williams in the future that, um, that you don't schedule a race in March in Coburn, Virginia. Yeah. So we get these uh, get these races going. We got Caraway coming up. We got Richmond coming up. We got South Boston coming up, and uh, we're on our way. So, uh, guys yeah. are testing today. And so, when are you going to run? Well, you've <laughs> replaced me with Kyle Petty. I think it's not a replacement. Yeah, it's Kyle Petty. No, I think it'd be great if you're running, especially if you're running. A, you know, during a yeah. campaign, that'd be great. I'm gonna, I, I will talk to Kyle and see if he has any legitimate interest in running he would be awesome sure he would and he'd have a great time yeah and again it kind of you know i kind of i think you know you and i want to win at every turn we don't compete unless we want to win we hate to lose more than we love to win but ultimately it's the beauty and fun of the sport at the grassroots level yeah you know we talk about grassroots politics it's the same thing in racing yeah we could you and i could try to put a team together for truck series or xfinity or cup but i don't think we get the enjoyment out of it of what we're doing and bringing fans back into these short tracks in these rural areas helping local businesses, mm-hmm. helping skill games yeah. at those local businesses, and also getting the message out. Man, I think everything we talked about, dreamed about at that wintergreen condo that one night, because of your diligence, because of your dedication, Hermie, you know, and, and me just tagging along, hitching my wagon to your star, Shit. we're making it come through. Beep. Come through. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's, I, I'm, I'm just, the other thing was, is we were sitting in the stands in Florence, and there were... A group of people. I mean, it's, I just sat in the stands because I like sitting in the stands. And I don't. And then the group of people behind. Us. I like sitting in the stands too because when I get mad, I can just leave. Right. Nobody knows. Yeah. Right? You just pull your hoodie up, and nobody leave. knows what yeah. you're. Yeah, yeah. And they can't see your emotions. But the people behind me were so giddy about Ryan, and so giddy about Bobby, that when they found out that I was, you know, one of the owners, mm-hmm. that I was the Stanley of Sadler Stanley Racing. Yeah. They were just like, oh, and, and, you know, brought them down. And then the guys were so great at the pit party when they were signing autographs. Made their freaking days. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. And that's the love of racing that you and I have. And it's just so good to see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but let's go get a chance. This ought to be a fun year. It ought to be a fun year. And uh, guys are working hard. We've much more prepared for this year than we were last year. Oh, we look good. Got stuff uh, yeah. together and hauler looks great. Got, oh, yeah. We got a hauler with the, with their pictures on it and the cars. Complete cars, race ready, ready to go. We got So that's one for, for Petty. No, it's two for Wheeling and two you. for Smart. One for you. It's one two for, for Wheeling and two for Smart. We could run four in a race. Two for Wheeling and two for Smart. We Are we having a corporate meeting right now? Because maybe we should discuss this. No. You, you, Kyle Petty... Ryan Newman and Bobby Labonte, a four-man team out there. Yeah. In the P-Machine. Who's, who's cutting the check? 
Uh, that ain't my problem. I, I run the group? podcast. No, I run the podcast. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'll try to get sponsors, but it may be going because I'm trying to buy a racetrack. And we'll talk about that later in more detail. <laughs> but in Don't you think are you those are profit about? centers? Are you kidding me? A racetrack? <laughs> Yeah. You have bumped your head. Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to work on the speech so that Laura believes what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Good luck. Well, but it's a historic racetrack. You want that me really to stay out of it. Love. You <laughs> said so I so I said the other phone I said, Hey man, this is what I may be doing. Do you want me? No, no. I'd never heard a no, no quicker in my life. No. Since and hell no. Yeah, since I was dating dating as a younger man, I've never heard no that quick. I, I heard a lot emphatic, of no's, but quick, emphatic no. Yeah. Maybe you know something I don't, but no. But I don't want this racetrack to go away. It's yeah. too special. It's like, you know, buying a historic house. You mm-hmm. want to repair it, restore it. You know, that's where my law firm is, a yeah. historic house. I think I buy these. these. You want me to buy into the things. fact that a law office and a racetrack have so many similarities? Uh, no. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. Somebody always loses. Yeah. <laughs> somebody wins and somebody loses. That's about as close as well, we Well, if but, you decide to go down that path, I wish you luck. Well, and, and we'll have more of a conversation. I'll hold your hand on just about anything. We've walked through with our listeners who we appreciate so much and a lot of these adventures that we take on. If that comes up, then let's, we'll walk through it together. Yeah. How's that? Great. And you don't, look, you can get all the benefit. What I'm going to do is I'm going to- I'll get all the benefit. Yeah, because I'm going to, I'm going to buy that track and I'm going to put a Hermes sec- Sadler section. I'm yeah. Put a big sign up. Right. Maybe with one of your faces that you have on one of them road sign billboards yeah. that your mama likes. Yeah. And I'll put your face on it and we'll see what happens. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to lose money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to lose my shirt. You know what they say about racing, uh, how to- uh, make a small fortune in racing. What's that? Start with a big one. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I wish you would have told me that before I started trying to negotiate this thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see, but but it's going to be fun. And I love the, the 2023 racing season that Sadler Stanley Racing is doing. I love what you're doing there. Yep. Again, I think everything, Hermie, and I'm not trying to kiss your ass like Shep Moss always does, but everything that we talked about we're doing. But when we talk about it, it's not for Sadler. It's not for Stanley. We we get the enjoyment from it, yeah. But it's the enjoyment of the fans, it's sure. the enjoyment of the public, the grassroots. Yeah. It's saving these tracks and really bringing back the sport where it started and where it needs to be again. And the joy of where I saw those people in the stands, just to say, I came to a yeah. modified race and I saw I saw Newman and I saw Labonte, and they were in these yellow cars, these Sadler yellow cars. That you could and, see, and they stand out from everybody. Oh, else. They really do, actually. Yeah. They really look good. I'll give you that. I mean, uh, I, I was kind of poo-pooing it early on, but I, I apologize. Especially at night when they they, yeah. they really glow at night. But and when you got good drivers driving our, on the top our, ten like they do. Our relationship, partnership, and business interests are really benefiting a lot of people. Yeah, you got the racetracks. You've got the smart series between our teams, and then Pacematic as a sponsor of the series. The drivers we're putting on the track. The people that work at our race shop down in North Carolina, it's probably 15 of them. Yeah. I mean, we are we are benefiting a lot of people. The small businesses around those racetracks. Sure, sure. Skill game operators around those racetracks. Jonathan Cash and I are doing an appearance together on the Thursday night, I guess it's March 30th, in South Boston before we go to Richmond. So we're going into one of the convenience stores, small businesses in South Boston to do an appearance. You going to have the car there? Yeah. Phil Stefanelli's bringing their hauler by on the way to Richmond to do awesome. all that. So. You know, we're doing things like that in these communities. Um, and to, and to what help. I'm doing, I'm bringing my RV with my family down. We parked it like we did last year at South Boston. Drive up to Richmond. I'm having a a, a kind of a fundraiser, but really just bringing people into the suite, mm-hmm. getting excited about uh, 
Asymatic or our sponsor, uh, uh, Queen of Virginia, and our race team, and then having them all come down. The next day, we're going to drive back to uh, South Boston and camp out. You're going to be at you're going to be at Richmond. You're going to be at South Boston. Uh, I know I'll be at Richmond. I'm not sure about South. Okay. I'll be at South Boston on Thursday, and I'll be at Richmond on Friday. I'm not sure about when are we going to camp out together again? That was like the best. It is oh, the best be when we do it. When the fall season Except comes around after now the softball season, I have I have more opportunity. It was damn hot at North Wilkesboro, but Oof, it caused you to buy a new bus and uh, pump out my crapper. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was good times. Good times, my friend. Well, look, shitter's full. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost got divorced until I found the honey wagon to pump it out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, at, well, before we end, what do you think of the racing season? Four seasons or four races in at NASCAR. Uh, well, the big news this week, of course, was all the fines to Hendrick Motorsports. Yeah. They all got fined $100,000 apiece. Crew chiefs suspended four races over yeah. their uh, louvers. alleged manipulation of the hood louvers on, on the cars. NASCAR really frowns on anybody messing with any part or piece or component of these new cars. And they sent that message to Hendrick Motorsports this week. So, you know, William Byron has won two races out of yeah. four. Yeah. Uh, with the, the louvers? Well, I'm going to say, no, the only saving grace, you know, there's no saving grace when you get fined $400,000 and lose 100 points and 10 playoff points and lose your crew chiefs and all that. But the only saving grace for them was that inspection took place and the louvers were taken and replaced with stock louvers prior to the race. Huh. So William Byron won without the tricked up louvers. Okay. Now, um, I think Las Vegas was boring. Phoenix was boring. I don't, you know, un- unless the restarts when it's three or four wide, but then when it starts spreading, I watched out, a little bit of hard um, to watch. And the, the green white Phoenix, I didn't watch hardly any of Las Vegas. And Las Vegas was wasn't home. Boring. Daytona was great, um, but I, I mean, I, I'd like to see a little better product out there. Although the cars are interesting to watch, and and there are there's just not a lot of it's still a, still a work in progress. Well, I but I would better. I will tell you the atmosphere in and around the racetracks with NASCAR now is much better than it was. In oh, the, the last crowds time. are bigger too. Crowds are bigger. There's more excitement. There's yep. more sponsorship parity with the teams. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, and that's, that seems to be staying as a holdover yeah. from last year, which is good. Cause yeah. usually when, you know, you had the, whatever gen car out there, they all learn or the, 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 the best teams learn to trick them up a little bit and make them better. And then everybody fell off of the back. Yeah. But I think the parody is still there. And that's, that's the exciting part. I thought the clash was okay. But, uh, I mean, I haven't been in love with the season in terms of the racing. And I'm a little worried because short tracks, which you and I love, the package that they ran last last year sucked. I hope they've got something better for them. That's hope. So we got a lot of racing to do this year, and we're going to talk about that. And we're going to bring on more as we move out of the political season at the General Assembly. And we Thank still the have Lord. the campaign, <laughs> campaign season. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot more racing. We're going to have a lot of guests on. Yeah. Uh, related to racing. Uh, we're going to come back early next week and do another episode so we can catch up. We're trying to catch up with our episodes, but also hopefully we'll, uh, we'll sit down in Richmond, maybe talk to some of the movers and shakers during yeah. the Wheeland race and, uh, and keep bringing this product to you. And we really thank you for listening. We've got a loyal fan base growing, growing and growing. I'm, I'm just so shocked at the numbers, but, but tell your friends about leading right and turning left with Sadler and center. You can find it on all the platforms. Give us a five-star rating. Uh, if you so desire, we want to thank podcast. Oh, for give what us a they four do. star rating if you need to. Give us a five star rating if you, <laughs> if you can. 
But if you can't, give, give us a four. four. <laughs> Maybe but four you always have, you know, if you look at the ratings and we've got like hundreds of them, then there's one dude that says one star yeah. and it's a liberal. Yeah, <laughs> you know, always want. Somebody hates racing and hates always Republicans. Want. But uh, we want to thank you for everything you do. We want to thank manscaped.com. We, we want to thank our sponsors. Uh, we want to thank podcast. Team. We want to thank Jeff Jarrett, double J. Yeah. Who is just back on the wrestling scene. Now. Yeah. Just, he's the man. And, uh, and we love him so much, and we love all the guys that, that help us put this on. And we especially love you, the listener, who takes the time, because sometimes we run along. We'll look down at this uh, at this board, and we'll go, man, we just went two hours. <laughs> but to us, it's 15 minutes, and hopefully it's entertaining to you, and we'll be back with more great content. We have a lot to talk about in the coming weeks. Man, there's going to be a lot to talk about. And we've done a good job up front. we got more to do, and so always listen. Just like Larry the Cable Guy says, to leading right and turning left with Sadler in the center, If you don't listen to us, you're a communist. (laughs) I'm Virginia State Senator Bill Stanley, and I'm leaning right with my man, Hermie Sadler, the fighting guy. And I'm Hermie Sadler. I'm turning left. We appreciate your support. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. God bless you all. All right, by now, guys, you know I love talking about old wrestling. What you might not know is that's not my real passion. My real passion is helping people save money. My real passion is getting families out of apartments and into houses. My real passion is getting people's finances aligned so they can retire on time. I hated going to Walmart and seeing the greeter being 80 years old. She should not be working. She should be home. Why is she still working? Because she still has a mortgage. I want to help avoid that for you. The other thing I want to help you with, let's make sure your kids don't get saddled with student loans. If you've got a student loan, why did you get one? Maybe because your parents still had a mortgage. I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm being sincere. There's only so much money to go around. What I want to help you do is figure out where you are right now and where you want to be long-term. And I do it at SaveWithConrad.com. I've been doing mortgages for more than 20 years. And during all that time, we've helped tens of thousands of families change their life. I mean, routinely, we're helping our podcast listeners save five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks a month, but more importantly, get them out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments. But if you don't think it can happen for you, let me just tell you this. We are not the bank. We don't say no. We say not yet, but here's how. We're going to get you a game plan on how to improve your credit, how to save a little bit of cash, and how to get into that dream house. Maybe you're already in the house, but it would be nice if someday we could put a pool in the back, or one day we want to upgrade to hardwood floors, or remodel the kitchen, or get a badass master bathroom. I can help you do all of that with no money out of pocket right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. Check it out. Savewithconrad.com, NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And hey, y'all, don't take my word for it. Check us out. We've got an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. And as if that's not enough, go look at our reviews. Read them and weep, haters. Conradreviews.com. You'll see more than a 1,000 five-star reviews. Our average review is 4.72 stars. Find out how much money you can save. Take control of your life in 2023 by taking control of your finances. We're going to show you how to keep more of your own money. If you've got credit card debt, what are you paying on that? 14%, 28%. You know, you can do better with the mortgage though. You may not know this. The interest you pay is tax deductible, and we can even show you how to skip your next two house payments. So if you could get a lower monthly payment, pay your debt off faster get a greater tax deduction at the end of the year. And right now, right after the holidays, skip your next two payments. 
Buddy, this is the biggest no-brainer in the history of the world. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Or hey man, shoot me an email directly, conrad at savewithconrad.com.